Welcome to the Captain's Run. I am back, Smitty. Uh, look, <laughs> I was about to... Who is that voice? Oh, wow. Oh, we missed you last week, mate. Seriously, there was a period there where I didn't think I was going to make it, Smitty. It was, <laughs> there was 48 hours where I thought it might be my last, but <laughs> I pulled through. I pulled through uh, oh. some of the worst food poisoning you'll ever, you'll ever experience. But, mate, okay. it's not about me, though, Smitty. It's about yes. rugby league. And last night was the night of nights, the Dally M Awards. Nico Hines winning the Dally M with the record amount of points, 38 points scored for a bloke that's played seven. In his, it's his first year as seven. Now, I first have to apologize to you about something, Smithy. I was on okay. the red carpet. I was interviewing people. And I may or may not have offered Cam Munster a Broncos contract. Oh, What? So if he does come to the Broncos and you guys lose him, that may be my fault. So were you, apologies. Were you there on behalf of the Broncos? Well, slash Kevin Walters. I mean, we haven't spoken yet, but I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure they'd be open to the discussions with Munster. And I've made that first approach, mate. And uh, hopefully, okay. hopefully. And what was it? What, what was his response? He just said, "Call me, Kevy." He said, call me, <laughs> me Kevin. <laughs> show me the money. Show, yes, show me the money. <laughs> Holy. Uh, welcome to all our listeners. However you're tuning in, 1170 SEN in Sydney, 1620 on the Gold Coast, 693 SENQ. You can also download the SEN app at the App Store or Google Play Store. And also you can listen belatedly on the podcast, Apple and Spotify. You just follow the captain's run. You can listen anytime. You can go back and listen to old episodes. You go to the start of the season, see how many things we got right, see how many things we got wrong. I think for me personally, be more wrong than right. Uh, yep. But let's get uh, talking about the Dally M Awards, Smithy. Obviously, you've had plenty of experience at the Dally M Awards. Did you get a chance to watch it last night, mate? I caught the back end, Kempi. Yeah, I caught the back end of, of uh, the program. Uh, wonderful night, obviously. Um, the night of nights for rugby league players, both the men and the women. Um, and it was just, you know, from from a, I guess, a, a personal point of view, um, it was great to see Nico Hines take out the medal. Uh, there's a lot being said about his season this year and how good he was travelling. Um, I think a little, probably a few people a little bit surprised by the margin, I think, that he that he won by in the end. But, <clears throat> you know, if you think back to the final month of football, you know, the Sharkies, they won those – I think they won all four games quite convincingly. Um, and he was he was a standout in all, all four. So that's where he picked up a lot of points towards the end. Uh, James Tedesco, again, just another stellar season. Um, a big reason why they were part of the finals after starting, you know, sort of quite slowly by, by Rooster standards. Ben Hunt, of course, he was the he, he was was he was favourite. Well, he was the leader um, when when voting went behind closed doors. But uh, yeah, just a wonderful night, and congratulations, to Nico Hines. Yeah, we've got him on, so stay tuned. We've we've got the the Dalian Medal winner um, on the show a little bit later on. But fantastic, mate. Yeah, just fantastic for a young man to go take over. Um, you know. The number seven jersey at the Cronulla Sharks turned turned their club around and, and put them in finals contention. They they finished in the top top four, um, and it was mainly due to his season. What an incredible buy from the Sharkies! You know, there's it's one thing to come off the bench in a really good system at the Storm, and how many times have we, I guess, seen players at the Storm do really well? They go away and they might still do okay, but they don't reach yeah. the same heights that they do at the Storm because mm. you know you've got the best system in rugby league. So for Nico to go there in his first year, I think the Sharks' recruitment, uh, whoever took care of that or identified it or make sure the deal went through, 
That's a club-defining decision. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And <clears throat> I think he showed... <clears throat> I think he showed his quality... Um, you know, when he was given opportunities at Melbourne, when, when there was you know, several injuries to, you know, whether it be Pappenhausen or Munster um, or Jerome Hughes through that, that two-year period between 2020 and 2021, where he, particularly 2021, where he played something like 24 matches mm. in, in that entire season. So, um, you know, he's just he was a young man, and he came out and he spoke public, publicly about his ambition to, you know, take control of a team of his own rather than being sort of like a second or third string player that got called up when it was necessary. I think, you know, he, he, he said, like, I, I want to be the player that, that takes control of a footy side. I want to play in the halves, um, and I want to lead a team around the park. And he certainly did that extremely well this year. And what great news for the Sharkies going forward. Because, you know, you look over the last few years, you had, I guess, Townsend was basically their last strong seven that won the comp in 2016 was the last time. 16. Yep. And, and really since then, um, I think Chad had a really good year, I think 2018. But they really haven't had – I'm trying to think back. When was the last time the Sharks had the guy in the NRL? You know, literally the yeah. Dallium, uh, he's a poster boy. You know, he's very marketable. He's also incredibly well-spoken and he's standing up for things like mental health. He's a proud yep. Indigenous man. I mean, it's the it's everything you could want out of a footy player. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's he's turned himself into a marquee player, hasn't he? Mm. And yeah, we, we we don't we don't really have information, and we don't really want to know about it. But his his uh, you know sort of deal with the sharks, but they got to be thinking now we got to lock this guy in long term because it's not just about as you mentioned, Kempi. It's not just about his ability as a rugby league player. He he has so much more to offer outside of the football field to that organisation. Mm. And to rugby league too. I, I just, yeah, I'm such a fan of Nico, and I'm just, I'm happy for the, the Sharkies, and it's all coming together really well. I think that looking forward, you've got what a 26 year old um, number seven. So the the really scary thing is he's he's a couple of years away from his prime, and on top of all of that, you know, he's going to get a few more years under his belt as the number seven. He's got Matt Moylan there, who's probably got one or two years left. Braden Trindle comes in, who is a young, good, really good six. I'm excited for the Sharks. I'm really excited. Yeah. Well, it, there was talk, you know, about, you know, some, um, you know, cap issues with a lot of those outside backs coming off contract. But, you know, they've, they've lost a couple um, this year. Um, Tolman retired. Uh, Fafida is moving on. But they, they, they will be a force again next year. And particularly with a guy like Nico Hines, you know, you'd like to think that he's only going to get better again next year. Um and and they'll be they'll be better for the experience of this finals campaign as well. They obviously didn't the results didn't go the way they wanted, um, you know, bundled out in straight sets. But they uh, they'll they'll learn from that. The younger players, you know, sort of experiencing their first or maybe second series uh, final series campaign, they'll they'll be better for it. And uh, you know, of course, with the coach as well, like he's only in the very early stages of his head coach career, mm. Craig Fitzgibbon. Um, they'll they'll sit back and review the season that was this year, and they'll look at things that they could be, be could be better at, you know, situations throughout the year that they that they could have handled better, um, and yeah, I, I think it's it's only positive for the Sharkies moving forward. Now going down this list, we've got James Tedesco on thirty three points. Now here's a stat for you, Smithy. I know you're a stats man. I know you love a bit of stats. Um, look, I just made that up. I don't know if you do, but uh, basically at thirty three points. 
Yeah. James Tedesco would have won eight out of the last 10 years, and this is via Rugby League Guru on Instagram, the great Rugby League Guru put it together. Eight of the last 10 years, if he had scored 33 points, he would have won the Dally M. On top of all of that, one of the years he won it. So you, the last nine out of the 10 years, Tedesco mm. would have won with that points tally. Incredible stuff from Teddy. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, and I mentioned that um, a little bit earlier, you know, to, to pick up 33 points this year, um, you know, give them their slow start. I, I think, you know, once the season got going for them and they started to build a bit of momentum, he was fantastic. And I, I reckon for, for, for mine, I reckon when State of Origin started, that's when Teddy, he just went mental from there. Mm. Like he, his form through the... Uh, origin series, even going back to Clubland, and then post-origin in, going into the finals was just incredible. Like he was everywhere for the Roosters. Like he he was playing not only fullback, but he was playing as a front row. He was playing as a half. He he just he was taking hit ups. He was taking one off carries. He was playing as a link man. Um, just yeah, fantastic, fantastic, and and still. What what it says about him is that, you know, he's been involved at this level now for such a long time, but yet he still finds himself in the top handful of players in our game. Mm. Like that of to me, that 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 speaks quality. That mm. speaks quality of, of um you know, him as a as a rugby league player. To be able to back that form up year on year on year, it's just outstanding. And as you said, like that that points it's a bit of a it's well, it's a funny one. You can look at it in a couple of ways, but um, you know, but to pick up 33 points and, and that tally, that total, could have won you a handful of Dally M's over the last decade. That's that's pretty impressive. Mm. And, yeah, and you're right. You could look at it both ways. You know, maybe the standard wasn't as yeah. – uh, the race wasn't as, as tight or, or whatever. I just think it's, um, you know, how many years is this guy going to continue to put up some yeah, of the best footy right. that we've seen? <laughs> it's just so impressive. Um, Benny Hunt, uh, look, it's funny because – in a normal year, 32 points, you'd be like, yeah, that's about right. And I think a lot of people, are, you know, I've, I've kind of read some comments and people saying, I'm really surprised that Ben Hunt didn't poll higher. But I think that's mm. just more due to the fact that Teddy and Hines polled so high. Yeah. And, and so it's it's almost a bit misleading in regards to Benny Hunt and how great he did play. Yeah, well, that's I think it's just, you sort of look at it the same situation as Tedesco where, you know, 32 points, I'd, I'd suggest that would have won him a couple of Dally M's as well mm. over the over the last decade. You know, that though, that total of points, um, there's probably been some Dally M medal winners finish on 32 points over the last 10 years. So I, I think what, what may have hurt um, Ben Hunt's chances, and, and it's not, it wasn't particularly his performances because we all know of, you know, the, the effort that he put in this year. And whenever you watch the St. George Illawarra game, he was a miles above anyone else in the, in his own team, um, but they they didn't finish the year well. Mm. They had a lot of losses, um, and usually when when your team loses, he may have picked up you know sort of one point here and there in the final matches. Um, but yeah, that like I said, Nico Hines he he finished with a flourish, uh, a, a flurry. Sorry, they they won a lot of games late, and he was their best player on on the field, and he and he just he. He streaked away in the end. Just a quick shout-out to uh, Scotty Drinkwater and Dylan Edwards. What a great year from those two fellows. 23 points. And I think, you know, at the yeah. start of the year, Scotty Drinkwater, he didn't even start. You know, Tom Dearden got the jump at the sixth roll, and I know he prefers to play fullback. 
uh, and it was uh, sorry, Hamiso got the jump at the fullback role. Yeah, and yeah. so for him to pull that all together in a team that came fifteenth last week, then you got Dylan Edwards as well. What a what a mm. year for two, I guess. I, you wouldn't predict that they would be coming, you know, equal fourth. Yeah, no, and and they, you know, both both players have played outstanding. You know, obviously one's playing in a grand final this weekend has played a huge part in uh, as to why Penrith are playing in their third consecutive grand final. Um, and Scott Drinkwater, like you mentioned at the start, he wasn't in the team. He didn't play. He didn't play first grade until round five wow. this year. So he missed the first month. Wow. Um, so there's a month of points that he could have um, he could have picked up if, if he was playing, and if he was playing as well as he did in, in the remainder of that year. So you know he could have found he could have actually found himself on, oh, you know, close to thirty points um, yeah. if if he had played the entire year. But uh, yeah. It's just it's an impressive list, isn't it? Um, yeah, and down below those boys, you got Mitch Moses twenty two, Daly Cherry Evans twenty one, Isaiah Yo twenty points. Just you know, there was what is there two forwards in that in that top sort of um, ten players? It's Isaiah Yo and Harry Grant. Harry Grant and Cam Munster finished equal on nineteen points. Um, great effort by those two players, but um, yeah. It's 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 a good list when you look at those players and and you think you just think about you know the games that they played and you look back and you go yep that's 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 where that top ten needed to be they they've been mm-hmm. the most influential players for their teams um, and I think every well there's only a couple like Daly Cherry Evans and Ben Hunt they're the only two that didn't play in the finals so um, every other player has been involved and and there's a few in there that are playing in the grand final this week. Uh, we'll get some texts here, Smithy. Uh, uh, Christy from Kellyville. Uh, congratulations, Nico. Very well-deserved award. You're breathing new life into my beloved Sharkies. Up, up, Cronulla. Uh, okay. They'd be happy in the shy today. Oh, yeah, they would. Uh, give us a text 0457 736 736 or call us on 1300 01 1170. Ask us all your footy questions, predictions for grand finals. How do you think? You can ask Smithy, how do you think you'd get the job done? What would he do if he was in another grand final? Uh, we've got plenty to talk about. We're going to go through the Dally M team of the year. We've got Nico Hines on the phone soon, so stay tuned. It's not far away at all. Um, but after the break, we're going to sit down and go through the Dally M team of the year and I guess see who we were surprised at, who we thought that uh, was a bit unlucky not to make it. Uh, so again, 1300-01-1170, text 0457-736-736 and we'll see you after the break. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with Cameron Smith. Give us a call, one 1170 Ask me the all of your footy questions. Give us a text, 0457-736-736. You can download the app, SEN uh, League on, or, well, sorry, SEN app on uh, Apple Play and the Google Play Store. You can also subscribe to the Captain's Run on Apple and Spotify. Listen to us anytime, anywhere. Now, let's get to the 2022 Dally M Team of the Year. You've got Teddy at fullback. Your wingers are Alex Johnson and Joseph Suali'i. You've got centres of Joey Manu and Valentine Holmes. Six, Cam Munster. Seven, Nico Hines. Props are Haas and Tarpane. Second row is a Kikau and Nanai. Lock is Isaiah Yo And co- coach is Toddy Payton. Now, Smithy, what did you think? Did they got most of it right? Or were you a bit surprised at any, any positions? No, I think they got most of those right. I, um, I... Did a Deli M team of my own last week on the captain's run mm. uh, with with uh, with Jimmy Smith, and uh, this team is pretty close. I think I only had maybe had three other players. I think instead of Joseph uh, Suwali'i, I think I had Daniel Tupo in there. Um, halfback, I had Ben Hunt because I, I thought he was going to take out the Deli M. 
um, with Nico as a you know very close second mm. um, with Cleary. Um, I had instead of Kikau, I had Isaiah Papali'i in the back row with Jeremiah Nanai. Mm. Um, and I think I had so, I had Joseph Tarpane, uh in in the front row with one other player rather than Payne Haas. So um, yeah, it would have been four four different players in there compared to my team last week. So yeah, I, I actually yeah, it's it's a great footy side, isn't it? When mm-hmm. you look at it, and and you know, not saying that the the four that are in there instead of mine are are wrong or should, or don't deserve to be there because they do they had outstanding seasons. So that's a that's a pretty good looking. Dallium team to me. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, I, I think it's it's really good. I think um, I guess the only I, I think everyone that's there definitely deserves to be there. Alex Johnson, obviously, third year in a row top try scorer. I reckon yeah. um, Tupo would have been putting pressure on that spot. Yeah. Um, I also reckon uh, Appy Corusio. I thought Harry Grant might put a bit of pressure there. Mm. Um, but in saying that, you know, I think towards the end of the year we really started to see how impactful Api Korosau is. I, I almost feel like him going to the bench has made everyone realise the difference he brings to the side. Yeah. Because you can see, you know, usually when he starts, it's like, oh, this is what the Panthers like, whereas you can mm-hmm. see what they look like without him starting, and, what, and as yes. soon as he comes on, they completely change. Yeah. And it's been a, a pretty big move, hasn't it, from uh, Ivan Cleary to do so, and, and they put Mitch Kenny in there pretty early because he, he's quite aggressive. Mm. Type of player, and we'll get into that a bit deeper. You know, talking about the game this weekend, but yeah, the, the impact that Coruscant has had in this final series when he's come off the bench, um, it's been huge. And and they're a completely different side, but the system that that they have at the moment with him coming off the bench, it's working for them. Mm. So I don't know. Does it change this week? Oh sure. mate, it's going to be real. I'm <laughs> so excited. Battle of the West, and they're actually. Yeah. You know, I feel like some grand finals, we'll get to it, I'll just say quickly, I feel like some grand finals, there's not really many tactical things that you would look at and go, this can change, this can change. They're all kind of like set in their 13. Whereas I feel like, you know, the fact that Appy may not start and Mitch Kenny may start, Nathan Brown being on the bench instead of Bryce Cartwright, there's some real tactical things that we can talk about later in the show. Um, Just quickly, Todd Payton, Coach of the Year. uh, Is this, you know, pretty... Pretty on song, or do you think maybe Ivan Cleary, if he goes back to back, maybe he should have won it, or you know, what do you reckon? Well, I think I think it's it's mainly off where the Cowboys have come from mm. um, and where they ended up this year in you know sitting uh, in in the top four spot and and played in a, a home prelim final. I think that's that was really what got Toddy home as coach of the year, um, you know, because it was quite a significant jump, wasn't it? And I know, I guess you know, it's it's easy to overlook Ivan's uh, work mm. um, as head coach of Penrith because that's probably the most difficult thing to do yeah. is to is to stay at the top and now to be playing in three consecutive grand finals rather than being at the bottom and really the only way is up um, from where the Cowboys were. I think that whether well, they finished fifteenth or something, um, you know, so. But I think it's great reward for what he did there. You know, he turned them around. I don't think many people had the Cowboys even playing finals, let alone finishing top four. So for the work that he did with that young group in particular, um, you know, Chad Townsend coming up uh, from the Sharkies and to have them play the way they did across that season was was pretty impressive. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm happy for Todd Payton. I think it's well-deserved that he got that Coach of the Year award. 
Yeah, I agree. I think the the turnaround from fifteenth all the way to uh, getting a getting in a prelim at home incredible. Mm. Now I've got some text here. Uh, Hines is a great great player, uh, no doubt. But Tedesco is not only the best fullback; he is the best player in the world. How many games? How many rep games did Hines play? How many games did he play versus bottom eight sides? Just remember, with the Dally M's in 2013, Sonny Bill William was clearly the best player in the comp, but didn't even finish in the top 20. News Limited versus Fairfax. <laughs> regards. Now, you might guess his name already, but it's called Rooster Muzz. So he sounds like a Roosters fan, which is uh, a bit of it. Might be a giveaway, but, yep. uh, mate, uh, and obviously I'll get Smithy, I'll get your thoughts, but mm. uh, look, Teddy's incredible. Absolutely incredible, yep. but... I think something has to be said for a bloke in his first year at seven doing what Hines did. Yeah, and and you know what, like Nico Hines, he didn't he didn't uh, make the draw. He didn't he didn't he, you know he didn't complete the draw for the NRL and say, listen, we'll we'll play um, more bottom eight sides than what we will top eight sides. Like he just he played what was in front of him. Mm. And yeah, you know, we've had a there's been a, you know, a lot of feedback and there's a few texts here saying. Uh, this morning for us can be on the show saying that, you know, that the system's flawed and, um, you know, Nico, great player, um, but in the fair income department, um, I don't think this system truly reflects the best player in the comp. Um, you know, Nico's had a fantastic season, but, you know, is is the difference between him and James Tedesco that much? Um, something needs to be done about, the, you know, the points and all that sort of stuff. At the moment, that's that's what it is. And it's worked many, many times Um in the past. Um, and as I said, you know, wh- whether the draw was favorable for the Sharks and Nico this year, it's, it's, I, I, th- I just think it's, it's null and void mm. because if you, if you go part, if you go back in the history of the entire Deli M um, voting and, and all the winners, you'd probably find a handful of guys that, that had favorable draws compared to the rest of the, the competition as well. Mm. Um, you know, so he, you know, Nico just went out and played his best football this year and played against the opposition that was in front of him. And, you know, he picked up the points. It's just, that's just, just the way it is. Yeah, you know, and like if you go on to arguments about, oh, you know, should he have got it rather than someone else? Well, have a look at guys that are that are elite players. This could be an argument as well. Like they're elite players, they're representative players, and they're playing in sides that don't have a lot of elite talent you know, they got good footballers, but they're a standout. Well, anytime they have a victory or their team plays okay, they're the ones that are going to pick up the, the points. Mm. So, you know, maybe that's flawed in a sense as well, where those players picked up points because they're the only real standout in their team. Mm. Um, you know, there's many different ways you can look at it, but at the end of the day, um, he was given votes by people that um, understand the game. They've been involved in the game for a long time. And he he is this year's Dalian winner and a deserved winner. So, yeah, it's interesting. And, and on the flip side of that as well, and I, you you alluded to this. So just to further your point, uh, Nico Hines aside, when you look at it, they finished second. And how many rep players do they have? Yeah, that's right. You know, so he he got them to second place. Uh, you know, and again, I'm not saying by himself, but it's like, what's more impressive? you know, getting a club to second place with a squad that, you know, the Sharkies had mm. or mm. the Roosters with a the squad they have getting to second place. You, you can yeah. make the argument it's, you know, harder for the Sharkies. Yeah, and you know what, Kempi? Like, he said so in his speech, didn't he? He said, like, this, the award, the Deliam Award, you know, voting him the best player in the competition. He said himself, like, it, it wasn't just 
it's not just all him. Mm. He said that it's a reflection of the way his team played and the way his teammates helped him play this year. So, so you know, small parts of that medal that he received last night, they, they, they're attributed to the performances of his teammates this year, which helped him do the things he did throughout this season. Um, it's, not just, it's not just saying, well, he did that all, all on his own. Mm. Because who knows? Like, if he stayed in Melbourne, he probably doesn't win the Deli M. Yeah. But because he went out to the Sharks, had an opportunity to wear the number seven jersey. He was their chief playmaker. He was their man calling the shots. And, and like, you cannot, you, you cannot question the season that he had. Mm-hmm. You cannot question the season that he had. He, he was so good. Yeah. He was so good. And any time they played well and, and had a victory, he was the man at the front of it all leading the way. Absolutely agree. Look, we're going to head to the news. After the news, we've got the great man on the phone, Nico Hines. We're going to chat all things Dalian plus the 2022 season. Also, I'm going to ask him, how does he keep his hair so wet all the time? (laughs) Welcome back to the Captain's Run with Cameron Smith. Now, I'm so excited because we have the great man himself, Nico Hines, on the line. You there, Nico? I'm here. How are you? How you going, mate? Cameron, how you going? I'm going all right, mate. Congratulations. Huge night. How are you feeling today? Oh, thank you very much. Um, I'm all right. I'm very tired. Very tired. <laughs> uh, I'm still in shock, to be honest. Yeah. How many, mate, how many interviews have you done since you got the, the medal last night? Oh, shit. I've done more interviews in the last probably 12 hours than I have in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to be, I want to, let's freshen this up then. Let's talk about your hair. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> what product do you use to keep your hair wet twenty four seven? No product, man. I might have to um, make one, like the Nico Hines wet hair product or something, and we can do it together. Well, Hines's hair, mate. Hines's hair. <laughs> That's right. It's time. It's something. time to. It's it's the best time to do it now, mate. Strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, 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 mate. Big congratulations. Um, huge achievement, of course. The Delian Medal voted the best player in the comp. When you left the Melbourne Storm. And, you know, to take on this opportunity at Cronulla, did you ever think in the first season you'd be receiving the Deli M medal? Oh, not at all, man. Honestly, not at all. I'd never even thought I would ever be up for contention of this medal in my career, to be honest. And, um, yeah, I just knew going to the Sharks, I had to work extremely hard. And um, I just wanted to prove a point that I can be uh, a solid NRL player at the halfback position and um, yeah, I just wanted to repay the faith that the Sharks showed me to do that and I hope I've done that you know I just I just didn't think that yeah Daly M was ever in contention for me and um, yeah I'm just in shock man I just uh, it's just so hard to hard to, to swallow because I just never thought of myself in that sort of caliber like look at you Smith you've won him before and I never thought I could ever reach that height you know and I've idolised you for a long time, and for me to be in a history book alongside you, it's just it's pretty awesome. Now, Nico, uh, you spoke last night about, I guess, um, a mental coach essentially, and and it's really interesting because I feel like we we have all the physical training we could ever need as as rugby league players. Like the preseason is is finely tuned these days, but your your mentality is almost more important than your phys- your physicality. How did you come about, obviously, getting the coach, but also what practices does he put in place to make sure that you are mentally as fit as you are physically as fit? 
Yeah, um, I knew leaving the storm because there's obviously no media and, and whatnot down there, and you're not very known in the streets and whatnot, unless you're Cameron Smith. But um, <laughs> I knew just I knew coming to Sydney that there would have been you know a lot of external pressure, outside noise, and um, people you know going to be looking at me. You know, if we win the game, they're looking at me. They we lose the game, it would be my fault. And I just knew that um, I needed to put things in place so. I'm not thinking about all that stuff. And I've always been a bit of an overthinker and a stress head and um, a worry wart, you know, and I've just always been that guy who's <laughs> going to bed at night thinking about, you know, what's going on next and who's thinking, hating me and who's doing this. You know, I just didn't want that. And um, I watched heaps of Dan, stuff of Dan Carter and um, about the All Blacks and how you know, they lost a, a World Cup and um, they wanted to change something. And, you know, they there's so many hours in the gym and so many hours on the field, but they never done anything on their mind. And um, it just intrigued me, eh? And I come across one of my old uh, mates who is all in, into all that sort of stuff, and he wants to further his career in the mindset space and get into working with NRL clubs. And we just thought, you know, well, let's give it a go, and I'll um, do some things with him, and he'll learn from me. And um, it just sort of kicked off. And um, yeah, we do a lot of breathing, a lot of visualization, um, a lot of control of um, you know, my own mind and um, controlling what I can control and not worrying about all the outside noise. And, um, you know, we put things in place over the, the course of the season to making sure that I'm on top of that. And uh, we've done like three Zoom meetings a week just to make sure, um, you know, I'm worried about the task and what task is, is now and what's happening during the week and, and not looking too far ahead. So, um, yeah, and, and a lot to do with um, off-field as well. And he just wanted to make sure that I was going into a game with no weight on my shoulders of anything other than what is going on in that rugby league game and my game plan. And just going out and playing like a 10-year-old kid, having a lot of fun and trying to win a game of footy, you know? Now, mate, last night, you said you went there with no expectations at all, so you weren't nervous. But at what stage during the count did you think, geez, I'm, I might win this? Yeah, well, I... Um, my heart started pumping a little bit after. So I think they showed the score behind closed doors. And then um, the next two rounds, I didn't think I was going to pull any points. And um, I got, I think, a two and a three. And then my heart started pumping. I looked at 50 and I was like, far out. <laughs> my heart's pumping here a little bit, man. And, um, and he goes, yeah, and you've had a couple of good games, like more good games to finish with. So yeah. um, you could be on here. And I was like, Holy crap, this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> so you start thinking you start thinking ahead. Like you're thinking, well, we played that team, we played that team. I set up a couple of tries. I scored a couple there. I might get points. Yeah, I was. Like, Fitzy's like, um, oh, what round's coming up? And what do you do this game? And I was like, I don't know. And me and him started talking about it a little bit. And I was like, well, I know everyone started talking about the Tigers and the Manly game that I um, I probably scored three points in each and I was like, well, I know I've got these two games in the bag. So <laughs> what else have I got coming up? But um, yeah, like like you said, I wasn't nervous one bit before it because I just didn't think I was a chance. And then when that period came, I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> mm. oh, now, mate. now, mate, with winning this, right, and thinking about like you, you still got a fair bit of time until next season comes around, but have you started thinking about that and, and whether – It'll it'll change the way you approach the game, or whether it adds more pressure to you going into twenty twenty three as the Delhi M winner. Um, oh, look, I'm not worried about the pressure. I think the pressure's um, a privilege. You know, 
we're in a very privileged position to, to feel pressure coming into games. But I think I know that teams will be more aware of me. Um, I'll be on their tip sheets a bit more than I was this year probably because mm-hmm. they won't didn't really know what to expect out of me as, um, this year that in the halfback role. So I just got to come up with plans and um, new game plans and um, come up with a few more tricks um, to to play a different sort of game when I need to and um, yeah, just be more aware of, of they're going to be coming for me a little bit more, which um, it, what is going to happen um, come off of the season I sort of had. So a bit more video and, um, and try and yeah, game plan different areas where I can attack the game. And I guess going into next year, uh, Nico, what part of your game do you think you need to improve on the most? Which is an ironic question. You just won the Dally M, but do you think there's a specific part you, you get better at? Yeah, for sure. There's always things you can work on. I think, for me, is um, getting the all-round halfback performance. And what I mean by that is, at the beginning of the year, I was probably um, trying to set up tries and um, create space for my outside men a hell of a lot and not too worry about my kicking game when kicking game, I realised halfway through the year how important kicking game is and seeing Nathan Cleary in the Origin camp, I just sat back and watched him and how much time he puts into it. So mid-year, I was probably more focused on nailing my kicking game and then I sort of lost my running game. Um, and then back in the year, I was um, worried about my running game and I was still kicking, still passing in that. But I think throughout those different parts of the year, I focused on different attributes where um, I just want to be the all-round, get that all in mixed into one and then have that consistent performance of having a kicking game, a passing game and a running game all in the one game every single week. You know what I mean? So something yep. like that. Now, mate, what about what about the Sharkies? Um, not the way you wanted to finish after finishing in the top four. Um, what's your evaluation of the season um, now that it's all over? Yeah, I'm, I'm super proud of how far we got um, in that regular season. You know, finishing second um, is enormous for someone like Fitz, who's their first year as coach, me first year at the club as a halfback, and uh, we had a bit of a change of um, you know, systems and um, how we defend, how we run our attack and we had Dale and Cam McGinnis come in and be great leaders so I think it was a pass mark for the regular season um, You know, I'm still still hurting so much more the Cowboys game um, yeah. than anything because you know, we, had it, we had it in the bag, you know, we were leading by eight with I think what, seven minutes to go and then we yeah. errors, Simbin, a couple of penalties and they score ten seconds to go which absolutely broke my heart so I'm going to be holding on to that for the rest of this uh, off-season and until we play again. So yeah. um, it's just it's another fire in my belly. You know, I honestly can't wait to get back and rip in already and I just want to get back on the training paddock and, and learn all our lessons we've we, that we did in that, that pre-season, uh, I mean, the pre uh, the semi-finals, I mean, and turn all our wrongs into rights and, um, yeah, just have a massive 23. But, um, yeah, I need to have a bit of time to reflect as well. Now, Nico, we spoke earlier about visual, visualisation. So you've obviously been yeah. training all year, visualising, visualising. I want you to visualise for me. How many schooners <laughs> are you going to have in sausage? Fair few. And I'll tell you, after winning the Dalian medal, mate, you will not have to pay for a single one. Oh, I hope. Sh- you better not have to. Surely not. Particularly in the Shire. 
Hey. Hey, you're just used to not, never paying for anything. That's why. Oh, <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Come on, mate. Yes. Come on, mate. <laughs> oh, mate. Oh. Um, Nico, thank you so much for uh, taking time to speak to us. And, you know, as Smitty said, like, we are absolutely stoked for you, mate. Well, well-deserved mm. award, mate. Well done, mate. Hey, quickly much, before guys. we go, can we, can, we, can we get a little tip for you, from you, for this weekend, for the grand final? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking Penrith. Um, I just think that five weeks off for Nathan Cleary, who's done the world of good, and um, he's coming back and he's just absolutely branded. And mm. yeah, I just think they got too much of a class team to um, yeah not win this, this weekend. Well, there it is, the Dalian prediction. Thanks, well mate. Done. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Go it. Was good chat to you. Go over sleep, bud. You sound tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sleep for hours. <laughs> uh, see you, mate. See you, mate. There you guys. There he is, the great Nico Hines. Now, oh, how good. Dally M winner. Dally M winner. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. I guess yeah, uh, Smithy. He just, he just, he's just at home and he's, he's like, oh, I just want to have a sleep. He's a Dally M medal winner. Yeah. I thought he'd just be out partying. Oh, mate. He's, he's too clean cut for that. He's yeah, too clean he's cut. Too good. He's too good. <laughs> but just quickly, Smithy, you obviously were there when he was coming through. Yeah. Did you like? Did you see this in him? Like, or was it? Is this surprising to you? Um. Well, to to be fair, like I'm I'm well, I'm not surprised, nor am I shocked that he's played so well. Um. Probably probably the thing that snuck up on me a little bit is how quickly he's made that transition. Um. As a as a key player in a footy side. Mm. Um. Always seen, you know, the talent and um, you know his love of the game, um, his knowledge of the game, his want to to learn more and to be better each each training session, each week, um, and he always had that that sort of calmness about him um, around training and and during games. That so you knew he was always confident in himself and and what he needed to do, the role he needed to play for this for his team that he's playing for. But his the transition from, as I said, being that sort of second or third string player guy that would come in with not a whole lot of pressure on him to go out and perform because mm. he was a guy that, that sort of filled the void for players that were either injured or away on rep duties. Um, you know, to, to then take the number seven jersey with a new coach, with a new club, and to take them where he, where he took them this year to finish in the top four was just yeah, unbelievable. Um, and it was just great to see him go out there and play. You know what he played with? He played with enjoyment. Mm. He, he just played. He went out there and loved his footy, and that, that's there's no secret. That's why he played so well this year. Totally agree. Now we're going to head to a break. After the break, we got plenty to talk about. We got grand final previews. We got the biggest news of the week. So make sure to stay tuned. Welcome back to the Captain's Run. Give us a text 0457 736 736 or call us on 1300 01 1170. We've got some text here, Smithy. In this yes. year's grand final, what's more meaningful to a club? breaking a 36-year premiership drought for Parramatta, or Penrith possibly becoming the first club ever to win all four grades. That is SG Ball, Jersey Flag, New South Wales Cup, which has already been won by the Penny Panthers, and the NRL. What do you reckon, Smithy? Oh, geez, that's a hard one. Um, oh, Well, some of that's not involved in either club. It's, it's just hard to split them, really, isn't mm. it? Because Parramatta, 36 years, it's the longest wait of any club in the NRL. Yep. Now I know there's clubs that haven't are yet to win a premiership, um, but they haven't haven't been in the competition for as long as 
uh, Parramatta, and they haven't been in for 36 years. Like their last premiership, 1986, Kempi. Were you born? Oh, and I was born the year after. There you go. Well, I was three. Wow. Um, Far out. And we've been around for a while, so uh, they've been waiting a long time. But at the same time, winning all four grades, that's just – that's an unbelievable feat, isn't it? It's scary. And, and, and unbelievable because it's never been done before. Yeah. As as um, the text has just said, it would be the first time ever in our competition in, in 100 and – what is it, 114 years or something. And just, just to make it stand out even more, so – you know the game where the Cowboys played the reserve grade Penrith side, essentially? Yes. Yep. The last so, round. The last round. So that same week, New South Wales Cup was in a finals game. So the Penrith Yeah, that's Panthers, right. They and, gave up, They gave up what, 10, 11, 12 players. Yep. And so New South Wales Cup reserve grade brought up all the young guys and beat the North Sydney Bears in a finals game to progress. Oh, oh. Which is, and North Sydney is, is it the Roosters? Roosters? So. Wow. Like you're, I got a full strength rooster side, essentially. Well, like, mm. yeah, you'd have a full strength rooster side, pretty yeah. much for, for the yeah. reserve grade. Wow, how was that, Tommy? Was that was that a good feeling? <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, our producer, he's oh, a big roosters man. He's, very quiet. He's giving us the cross. He's like, no, I wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I, I'm going to go with the 36 year premiership drought, only yeah. because, only because, like. I think we're already aware of how good the systems are at Penrith. And I, yep. for example, if they go on and lose this grand final, I don't think anyone's going to be sitting here going, oh, Penrith aren't still the top dog. Like, no, yeah, that's right, mate. It doesn't, you're exactly right. It doesn't change their standing in the game, does it? Like they're still, they're still, they'll still be, well, this sounds strange. Stupid because, yeah, because of the. But they'd still be the benchmark. Yes. As a club, like as a whole club, for sure. Yep. Yep. Um, or even a system. Uh, so, I would go the, the the 36 year drought. In saying that, to be clear though, absolutely incredible what the Penrith Panthers have put together. There is, it's amazing. Seriously, if you're a struggling club, do as much research as you can on that because they've done something incredibly well. We're we going to head to a break. After the break, we're going to get back to your texts and calls. So call us one three hundred oh one eleven seventy or text oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Welcome back to the captain's run with the great Cameron Smith. We're going to wrap the hour up. I mean. Nico Hines on the phone talking about his Dally M. Smithy, uh, thoughts on the whole the whole Dally M, everything like that. You reckon they, they got it right? Yeah, I reckon they got it right, mate. Like, yeah, for those questioning whether he should have won and, and maybe saying that, oh, it's flawed because, you know, they don't think he was the best, the best player. He was. Like, he was voted. He was voted that. And, like, look around his commentary like throughout the year with his performances, just people were talking about how he's a standout. Mm -hmm. They finished top four. You know, they didn't have a great final series, but he was he was out and out the best player and deserved the Dellium Award. I like it. Oh, I love it too. Now, we're going to head to a break. After the break, we're going to have a season review of the Cowboys and Rabbitohs, so make sure to stay tuned. See you on the other side. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with Cameron Smith. Make sure to give us a call, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy or Texas 0457 736 736. Uh, you can also follow at SEN League on Instagram. It's the best place to be. Got all the biggest personalities in rugby league from Matty Johns to Cameron Smith at SEN League. Give it a follow. Now, we want to review the Cowboys and Rabbitohs seasons. North Queensland Cowboys season review. They finished the regular season in third with 17 wins and seven losses. Many experts had the club tip for a bottom four finish. What impressed you the most in their turnaround, Smithy? Um, I was really impressed with their defence, Kempi. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, the, well, probably 
probably the main reason why they finished third. Um, and they were entrenched in the top four for the most part of the year, weren't they? Bit of a slow start to the season, but once they got going, they they uh, they played extremely well off the back of Drinkwater, I think, taking the number one jersey in round five. Mm. But it was their defense that impressed me the most. If you think back to the Cowboys, particularly last year and maybe a couple of seasons previous, uh, they, their defense just wasn't up to scratch. They 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 leaked a lot of points, but this year they I think they finished with uh, I think they finished second overall as far as points conceded. Um, <clears throat> so you know that for me that was the thing that impressed me most most, and that was through and just hearing from you know players throughout the year you know talking about the changes that were made to their their footy side and mainly their their attitude and their mentality towards their football. It was all due to their preseason mm. and the work that they were put through um, from their coach, Todd Payton, and, and the, the changes that were made to their footy. And, and maybe he challenged them about the way they thought about their football. It wasn't about going out and just playing, trying to play this entertaining style of football and, and trying to win games off the back of scoring 30 points. It was more about you know, focusing on defense, making themselves a team that was really hard to score against, mm. and then backing themselves to score... You know, instead of scoring thirty points, they they would score eighteen points and still win the footy game. Mm. Um, and I think that's the main reason why they went so far or went as far as they did to play in a prelim final. Um, only only last week. Yeah, mate, I totally agree, and it's it's so bizarre because you know, I guess as a fan, it might all, almost be frustrating to a degree because every single year, at the end of the year, we always go. You know, their defense was really changed and that's what changed their, their whole, I guess, trajectory. And so as a fan, you're going, well, you know, why don't 16, now 17 other clubs just <laughs> do the same thing, work on the defense? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I agree, mate. The the defense of the Cowboys, they changed. I, I really feel like the defense of the Cowboys suited the area of the cow, the Cowboys, if you know what I mean. Like they're from mm. Townsville. You know, it's it's a, it's a, a kind of a tough, I guess... Yeah. You, every time you used to go up to Townsville, especially when, you know, Thurston was playing, it was a super tough, tough experience. Yeah. Um, and I really feel like Peyton reinstilled that North Queensland toughness back into the side. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think that was part of his preseason plan was that they got put through a lot of training that, that increased their mental toughness. Yeah. Or their ability to get through tough times, and I think that's what you sort of alluded to there. Campy is about it, it's a the style of footy they played this year is a reflection of the region that they represented in North mm. Queensland. Like they go, they you know the people of North Queensland they you know, have to go through many challenges, you know, with floods and drought and cyclones and all this sort of stuff. But they bounce back, don't they? They're a resilient bunch of peach people, mm. um, and that's that's the way the Cowboys played this year. Mm. They played like the 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 region that they represent and i think that that that's what made most of the cowboys fans most proud of their season this year is because they had a lot of resilience um yeah they they played through an origin period where they had a fair few players away um representing you know both new south wales and queensland and then through the the rep weekend with yeah the pacific nations playing um but it was just it was fantastic to see them um, reach a prelim final, the very first time they ever played a prelim at home um, in front of a sold-out crowd up in Townsville only a week ago. Um, it was such a buzz around 
town. Like I, I was up there, um, you know, for the week leading up to that that game, and just everywhere you looked, there was there was Cowboys jerseys, and your kids were running around, you know, at parks and you know, walking the streets with all their Cowboys gear on. All the hats and the flags were out, sitting outside all the houses and all that sort of stuff. So it was great for the town. They would have been disappointed though with, um, you know, finishing the way they did, and I. A little bit has been said about, you know, the first try for Parramatta and the forward pass from from Mitch Moses. But at the end of the day, the Cowboys were leading that game with with mm-hmm. not long left on the clock. And they had opportunities. Mm-hmm. I think what they'd be most disappointed at, I, I think as a playing group and the coaching staff, I think in review, they'd look at that forward pass and go, well, it didn't go our way. But what about a couple of those soft tries that we let in? And I know we're talking, <laughs> it's funny because we're talking about it their strongest part of their game this year was their defense. But in the last game that they played of the year, they, they conceded a couple of really soft tries, mm. um, especially, you know, Regan Campbell-Gillard's second one where he ran in between Jordan McLean and um, Jason Taumalolo. So um, they had opportunities. They had opportunities to be in the grand final this week, but it wasn't to be. Um, but if looking back overall on their season, I think they need to be really proud of um, what they did and their efforts. And, Again, they're they're another side a lot like Cronulla, where I think this year this year's experiences will go a long way to them being successful again next year. Like you you think about you know Tom Dearden, just a young man playing in the halves. So he got to play an Origin game this year, so he's going to be better for it again next year. They got a lot of young forwards who are just starting out their career. They would have learned a lot of lessons. Um, from the games that they played this year, Jeremiah Nanai only 19 years of age. Kept wow, it. 19. Wow. Um, and out of that side that uh, took the field um, in the prelim against Parramatta, they're only losing one player, and that's Tommy Gilbert to the Dolphins. Mm. And he is a fantastic player. He played State of Origin this year, but you know, I I think they'll be again they'll be better for it, like like the Sharks, and and they'll be competing for a top four spot again next year. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. As you said early in the show, you know, it's 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 tough to get to the top. It's even tougher to stay there. So yeah. that's the challenge that Peyton faces is how do we keep these standards and this energy going when we had such a big year? Um, you know, I feel, I, I assume a lot of the preseason energy was drawn from the fact that they had such a poor last year, uh, mm-hmm. last year. So I wonder where does that energy come from coming into this season? I'm sure he'll find it but it'll probably have to be from a different place. Maybe it's from that heartbreak of being four points away from a grand final. Yep. Oh, um, absolutely. And, you know, like he, he's – and he picked up the, the coach of the year, as we spoke about earlier, and, and deservedly so. He, he's a smart coach. Mm. And it's the reason why he was given the opportunity from the Cowboys organisation to go up there and coach, um, you know, the first-grade side. So already, uh, like, I know there's it's important to have time away and, and time off and sort of freshen up, but – there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, sort of Todd, you know, over the last week has had, you know, thoughts about already planning for next year and ways that, that they need to be better and ways that they can, you know, try and get themselves back into a grand final again. Mm. Yep, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Now let's get on to the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Finished the regular season in seventh with 14 wins, 10 losses, made their fifth straight preliminary preliminary this season but have only made the grand final once. The losses uh, for this year, uh, for, sorry, for 23, is Mark Nichols and Cody Nikarima, and they have no gains. How, did you, how do you think their season went, Smithy? 
Oh, well, they, they were very slow, well, slowish out of the blocks, weren't they? And, and a lot of the focus and talk on the Bunnies in the first part of the year was about, you know, the losses of Wayne Bennett, um, Adam Reynolds, because the Broncos were going quite well. They were like, oh, mate, huge mistake. Look what's happened. Like, you let Adam Reynolds go. Dane Gagai, of course, as well, as well um, was a loss for them. And they, they just they, they struggled to get their mojo early. Off the back of, you know, Latrell Mitchell being injured, um, played very few games early in the season. And we spoke to him on the captain's run a couple of times, didn't we, early mm. this year. And, and you could, you could you know, hear the frustration in his voice of not being out there and not being able to help the team, you know, to, to pick up wins early in the game, but uh, early in the season. But I'll tell you what, like once he got back and they sort of, they found their rhythm they were, they were as good as any team that played this year. Yeah. When they were at their best. Yeah. When they were at their best. The thing that I, I was really impressed with, um, Lachlan Ilias this year, to be honest. Agreed. Yeah, just a rookie number seven thrown in there after Adam Reynolds, a club legend, had left. Um, there was yeah a little sort of hiccup when they when they took on the Dragons mm-hmm. down in Wollongong, um, about two thirds way through the season, where their first half was just awful. I think the I think the Dragons <laughs> scored like thirty two points in the in in the first forty minutes, and uh, the hook the hook come out yeah. for Ilias wow. at, at about twenty minutes. Uh, but he wasn't the lone ranger that night. There was there was some performances from Rabbitohs players that night that that weren't great. Mm. Um, and again, the question marks were raised: like, how will this young bloke bounce back? Mm. And I, I think there was a, a few doubters out there just saying, "Well, this this could wreck him. This could ruin him. We we may not see him bounce back." But I tell you what, really impressed with the way he come back and played, particularly in the in the back end of the year, leading into finals. I I thought he was. A, one of their better players. And, and I know they had standouts like um, Latrell when he went on his run of um, fantastic games. You know, the form that he was in was in, you know, as good as any player in the competition during that period. Cody Walker really stepped up. I think he um, benefited hugely from Latrell and, mm. and the way he was playing. But Lachlan Elias as the number seven and just a young man starting at his career, I thought he did a wonderful job for the, for the Rabbitohs. Yeah, I absolutely agree in regards to Lockie Elias. I thought he was I thought it was very easy for him to drop his head, get upset that he was hooked from the field. Literally, if you didn't watch that game or you didn't know he got you would have no idea that he got hooked when you watched the game after. And that's a sign of a mentally resilient player where a, a quite a drastic thing can happen. They mm. come out next week and it looks like that nothing happened. It looks like business as usual. Um, and in regards to some other players I thought really stepped up, I thought towards the end of the year, Cam Murray really began to yeah. grow into his leadership role. What do you think of Cam Murray this season? Yeah, really good again. Like he, He's just a quality player, isn't he, Cam mm. Murray? Oh, he's just so good. And and he, like he's just a, a laid-back type of a guy. Um, yeah, really impressive young man. I, I, I don't know uh, Cam Murray all that well. You know, I've run into him a few times. I've played against him a few times and you know, mm. said good day to him. You know, just in passing, but just really impressive. You know, listening to him talk, as you said, he he grew into that that role as a leader and as a captain at that footy club. Sometimes it just, it doesn't come natural to people. Mm-hmm. You know, having having to have the the seed next to their name and and you know have all these different commitments outside of the game of football. But I, I thought he was fantastic. One of their best this year. One of their you know more consistent players. Um, and you really noticed when he wasn't there, Kempe. Yeah, I, I think sometimes that that's a more of a reflection of um, how 
the value to your footy side. So when you're not there, the difference it makes to your team, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, a couple of times there, like he, he got ruled out early in a match through um, HIA protocols, and you could just see that football side just wasn't the same. Yeah. It just wasn't the same without him. So, um, yeah, he's he's such a valuable and, and a very important player for the Rabbitohs moving forward. Well, the two series that New South Wales lost, you know, one, he got done his hammy in the first 20 minutes or so of game one of the series. Then he was out yep. for the whole series. And then this one, he got knocked out essentially the first set of game three. Yeah. Well, uh, well it was the first tackle, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the first tackle of game three in Brisbane. So, yeah, that's, uh, like you said, mate, that's just, that shows the impact that he has on the footy teams he plays for. Yeah. And it's, it, it cannot be understated the, the, the quick play the balls that he gets, it changes sets every time. You go from a set where you cannot get out of your half into a set when you now have ascendancy. And then when you add in the six again rule, it, it's it's compounded. It's not like, oh, that, you know, we've, we've lost to play the ball. Let's just hold a little bit longer because you could get a six again and, and it's good to go straight away. Yeah, especially when you've got a dummy half like... Um, um, Cookie. Cookie, yeah. Like he's just, like he is... He is an out and out runner. Mm. Like I, I like his his ball playing has improved over the years, but he loves those quick play the balls. Yeah. And the the combination that those two players share, um, you know, in, in and around the ruck, particularly when they're coming away from their own try line, mm. the momentum that, that that Cam Murray creates for Damian Cook and then Damian Cook has the ability to use his speed, get out of dummy half and, and just take his big man onto the football. And then even if he if he wants to get across field, he's then creating momentum for you know Cody Walker to move on to on that left edge. Yeah, it's just a lot of that work that goes unnoticed. You know, a lot of people they see the flash tries and the big set plays and all that sort of stuff, but forget about looking back to where it all started. And like you said, it's the ability of Cam Murray to find the ground, get up and play the ball quickly that gives those those other players opportunities to do their thing. I will also say I think Cam Murray's ball playing this season improved so much. Uh, at the start of the year, I would have had Victor Radley, the best lock ball player, Isaiah yeah. Yo, Cam Murray. Honestly, by the end of the year, I would have Cam Murray as the best ball playing lock, Isaiah Yo second, and Radley third. Um, and that's saying something because obviously I think all three are absolutely fantastic. Just quickly before we head to the break, how would you rate Demetrio in his first season after losing Wayne Bennett? Yeah, well, I think he was did a fantastic job given the like the scrutiny on on his on his football side. Like they're they're a huge club, aren't they, in Sydney? Mm. And and you know, situated closely um, with the Roosters, um, they share a, a a long and very um, rich history. Um, you know, so there was a, a lot of the spotlight was on them, particularly early. And and I think uh, when they started, when they faltered a little bit in that first half of the year, I think everyone just went, "Wow, yeah." He, he can't do it without Wayne. Yeah. But he really proved them wrong, didn't he? Mm. He showed them that, you know, he's he's a quality coach. And his players, like, to their credit, like, all the players come out and said they backed him early. Yeah. When when they weren't getting the results that they wanted. Like, they backed him and said, no, look, this is, you know, we need to improve as a footy side. It's nothing to do with Jason. Um, you know, he's doing all the things he can at training to get us get us ready. And he, he what he did, too, was he, he instilled that confidence in his players. And said, "Hey boys, like keep working hard. We'll we'll get through this." I think he did a fantastic job. Yeah, agreed. And and it might sound like such an obvious thing to say, but I think you know you can really judge a rookie coach by how well the players are playing individually. And what I mean by that is, 
you could argue that multiple players in that Rabbitohs squad had career best seasons. Keon, yeah. I thought he was the best. Oh, very good. Really, really good. Cam Murray, I thought towards the end of the year, he was playing some career best footy. Latrell Mitchell went on a streak, played some career best footy. And yep. so, you know. Totola, Junior Totola looked good. Absolutely won the player of the year for them. And yep. so for a squad to lose one of the greatest coaches of all time, and then it's players to arguably, some of them anyway, play better. I think that's a yes. sign of a good coach. Yeah, very good, mate. And, uh, he, you know, he's he, he, he been involved with those players over the past few years, and he's, he's got those um, relationships there. It's, it's only going to get stronger. Absolutely agree. We're going to head to a break. After the break, we are going to talk about Benny Hunt and the Dragons. We're also going to get to your text, so make sure to stay tuned. Welcome to the Captain's Run with the great Cameron Smith. Give us a call, one 1170 or text 0457 736 736. Smithy, we've got plenty of text here. How's it going, Beacon Goat? Just wanted to ask, uh, what are both your top three moments in the NRL that you'll never forget, on or off the field? We'll just get your top three moments, Smithy. Oh, wow. Top three moments. There's a thousand um, of them. Yeah. Oh, I think, well, just off the top of my head, um, the 2015 grand final, just the finish. Um, Cowboys winning that one through yeah. a field goal through Thurston. I think that that was one of the more dramatic finishes. Um, Thanks for bringing it up. We've ever seen. Sorry, mate. <laughs> um, I'm trying to stay away from that 2008 game that we played. In. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it's here now. It's here. Geez, um, <laughs> uh, going back, maybe. Oh, you know what? I, I still remember from a young fella, and I was a big Broncos fan. Um, it's actually not a Broncos game, but just going back to my childhood, um, the 2000 and oh, sorry, 2000, the 97 grand final finish, Newcastle beating Manly. Oh, at the death when when Joey, Joey Johns went to uh, dummy side. half, went the short side, nothing was on, and come back and Darren Elbert, who played the ball, ended up receiving the ball back from Joey and scoring. Um, I still remember that. Like two Sydney teams, I didn't support either side. Mm. Um, but it was just great to see Newcastle win that one. Um, and a third one, I don't know, maybe, jeez, I don't know. Oh, probably probably the miracle try. Um, not sure if you know, a lot of our listeners remember that one, but um, Mark Coyne scoring in the corner for Queensland. Mm. That's not a try. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. One of the great calls by Ray Warren, mm. um, the great Rabs. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, those three sort of, come to my mind sort of straight away when you're thinking big moments in rugby league. There's plenty more. There's plenty more. Um, and if I had time to sit down and think about it, you'd probably come up with three different ones. But just those three jump out at me straight away. Now, another text here. Hey, boys. Do you think the Raiders need to target a ball-playing lock for next season since Adam Elliott has left? Oh, you know what? I, it's horses for courses. Mm. This whole – I think a lot of people in the game are sort of caught up with this whole um, ball-playing lock situation and and saying that you know their team needs a, a link player like a yo or a murray um, or a victor radley sometimes that just doesn't suit your style of football sometimes you 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 know some teams might benefit more from having a, a guy that's a, a bigger body um that can carry the ball forward and, and gain meters and and build momentum um, rather than a guy that you know sort of spends half half his game passing half his game running mm. so um yeah, I'm not particularly sure whether that's what they need to go and chase. Um, I, th- I think if if they keep a healthy squad, which you know they battled injuries this year, as did 
you know several other clubs in the competition if they can keep a a, a healthy squad i think they they'll still be in the hunt for it yeah ricky stewart come out didn't he after their last game and said if we had a if we had a healthy squad we would have been top 4 yeah yeah i don't know whether that would have happened that's 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 a big call but i think they would have been much better positioned in the finals than what they were scraping into eighth. Yeah, in regards to the ball-playing lock as well, you know, all you do is look at the Melbourne Storm uh, over the last couple of years. I, I think, you know, and obviously, Smithy, you'd know way more about it, but I think Melbourne Storm, more they pull you apart via quick play the balls and just play yeah. front foot rather than having a ball-playing lock. Yeah, well, look, have a look at the guys that played in that 13 role for Melbourne over the last couple of years. Like, it's been shared between what Brandon Smith, um, you know, Nelson... Asofa Solomona has played there as well. And King. Um, yeah, King, Tuika Mikamitha, they've all played there. They're, they're not they're not overly um, great ball players. What their strength is getting the ball and running hard. Yeah. Running forward and creating momentum. So that like I said, it's horses for courses. It's it's all about the makeup of your of your team and your squad and what benefits what what players around them would benefit from, whether whether it be ball playing or someone running forward trying to skittle a few defenders and playing the ball quickly. Now, we're going to head to the news. After the news, uh, there's been a development in regards to Ben Hunt and the Dragons, so stay tuned because we're going to break that down. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with the great Cameron Smith. Give us a call, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, or you can text us, 0457 736 736. Make sure to download the SEN app from Apple or Google, plus you can subscribe to the Captain's Run. Apple and Spotify, listen anywhere, anytime. Give at SEN League a follow as well. Uh, it's the best place for your rugby league news and has the biggest personalities in the game. We've got Smithy, we've got Matty Johns, we've got Fletcher. It's uh, Vossi, Brandy. It doesn't get much better. So at SEN League on Instagram. But there's been, I think, a substantial development in the uh, Ben Hunt and Dragons uh, contract negotiation. Reports broke yesterday saying that Ben Hunt and his management have rejected the Dragons' latest two-year offer. The Daily Telegraph have reported the Dragons upped their two-year offer, but it wasn't enough for Hunt. Both parties are still hoping to get a deal signed before November 1 deadline when Hunt Hunt becomes off uh, contract. Reports circulated last week suggesting that the Tigers are holding out in hope to try and sign Cam Munster and Mitchell Moses, which I guess would have an effect-ish on the seven market. Uh, Thoughts on the Benny Hunt reportedly rejecting the latest offer. Now, initially, the initial reports where the, the Dragons were around 700K and yep. the Hunt was around 850K. What do you reckon, Smithy? Uh, well, we, we've spoken about this topic before, haven't we? Mm. Um, a little bit early in the year. And, and look, I, I still feel the 850 is value for him, um, you know, given the way, particularly the way he played this year and the way he, he carried that that footy side. Like some of the matches that they lost, they might have lost by, you know, 16 or 20 points. Like if he wasn't playing, they would have been beaten by 40. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Yeah. Um, so, and, and a lot of the games they won, they probably wouldn't have won if he wasn't there. Yep. So, so you know, he, he, he's clearly making a huge difference to that footy side. Um, if the club have come out and said, look, well, we want to give you 700, and he said, listen, I want 800, I would have thought the deal just would have been, that, that's pretty straightforward for me. <laughs> Surely. I thought the club would have gone, oh, look, okay, look, we'll move 100, 150 to keep you. Um, but, yeah, you just you just don't know, do you? You don't know what's going on behind closed doors or within the, 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 the walls of the Dragons and, and what they're thinking. But if, if, if it's as straightforward as that, I would have thought that a deal would have been done by now. Because the, the last thing that they would want to do is 
allow this to continue to November oh, 1, oh where he God. becomes a free agent free, a free <laughs> agent in this competition. Because how many times do you hear people talking about clubs screaming out for a quality half? Yeah. They're just there's a there's a handful of clubs in desperate need of a quality half, an experienced half, and he he ticks the box that right there, Ben Hunt. Mm. Yeah, he he is honestly not only is he an experienced half that you know can just lead a team around, he breaks games open, he changes mm. the the outcome of games. Yep. Um, so I agree with you, mate. It seems a bit strange in regards to if he's at eight fifty and they're at seven hundred, why are you pinching pennies? With your main yeah. man, and and I think he showed this year through Origin um, that he is still one of the the better players in the competition. Like he he would have he would have finished in the top you know sort of four or five players I guess when the voting went in for like the Wally Lewis medal. Mm. Like he would have had to have been in contention for that. Yeah. Patrick Carrigan took it out, but surely he he would have been close. Ben Hunt, I got no doubt about that. I think sometimes also. Some clubs that I guess are, are struggling a little bit, they have to face an added question. And that question is, what are we without this guy? You know, do, we don't go from first to third. We might go from 11th <laughs> to 16th. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a little bit similar to the Tarpanair, um, you know, re-signing in the sense that, like, let's say you thought 850K is, is a little bit a lot for a, a front rower. You have to ask yourself, what are the Raiders without him? You know, they are... Yeah. Without tarping it, I don't even think they make the eight. Well, that's that's why they've they come to the party, didn't they? Yeah. With a five year million dollar contract. Yeah, so it's 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 surprising that it's surprising that the Dragons are even playing this game because there's been no reports that Benny Hunt wants a million dollars, and if they were to even get close to putting him on the like, if November one hits, I honestly think there might be minimum 10 clubs minimum mm. that would move heaven and earth to get him at the club for a million dollars as well yeah that's that's what i'm saying like the last thing that that the dragons need right now is ben hunt to go on the open market mm. and we're not far away oh, it's mate. one month so it's look one month if if i'm being honest so i think i think they'll get the, the deal done i think they will i'd be very surprised if they allow this to get to november 1st um, what do you reckon? Do you think they get the deal done, Smithy? Oh, yeah, look, I, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. How much money does the Dolphins have? Oh, mate. They just up and leave. Could you imagine? <laughs> oh, oh, man. Wow. Because you'd have, to, you'd have to think, okay, let's say the Dolphins are offering Cam Munster 1.3. Mm. You'd have to think they have at least 900K for another yeah. big dog player as well. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Yeah. Back in Queensland, mate. That's where he's from. Hunt Munster combination. I tell you what, that's <laughs> I, if they were to land Hunt and Munster, I honestly believe they could fight for the eight in the first year. Yep, because they've big got big players, mate. Yeah, big wow. game players. So hopefully, text us in oh four five seven seven three seven seven three six seven three six. Text in or give us a call and let us know what do you think about the Ben Hunt situation. Do you think the Dragons are, I guess, playing a dangerous game of chicken, or do you think that? The Dragons are well within their rights to try to get him for a bit cheaper because you could argue earlier on his contract, you know, maybe he wasn't playing up to a million-dollar standard and they're trying to just get their value back now. Um, so text in 0457 736 736. Now, on to the next halves uh, conundrum. 
The Tigers are reportedly holding out hope to try and sign Cam Munster, not only Cam Munster, and Mitchell Moses. Wow. I don't want to be disrespectful. <laughs> I don't want to be disrespectful. But do you honestly think there's any chance of that happening, Smithy? No. With all due respect, no. I don't oh, think my. so. They are, At a pinch, they might jag one. Um, just through a ridiculous offer that the players can't refuse, but I, I, I highly, I highly doubt either will will be there. Mm. The, uh, sorry, I highly doubt will, that both will end up at the Tigers. Mm. I really don't think so. On on the Cam Munster thing, I think it's one of two teams. It's either he remains at Storm, or he moves to the Dolphins. Mm. Mitch Moses, um, I'm not so sure about. I think he'd like he'd prefer to stay at Parramatta Eels. Oh, I think that's his main his preference, um, but yeah, you just don't know whether he makes the decision to move on. Maybe, maybe, maybe the result this week, Kempy, plays a huge bearing in that. Oh, if they're to win, if they're to win the premiership, does he then move on or does he stay? Who knows? Yeah, well, I mean, if because the thing is, is if if he wins a premiership, you know, he probably could demand a million dollars a year on the open yeah. market. Yeah. Whereas right now, I, I probably would put Moses around the 800K mark, mm. I think is a mm. really good value for both parties. Yep. Um, now, we've actually got a caller on the line. We've got Jacob from Erskine Park. Uh, Jacob, you there, mate? Hey, boys. How are you? Going good, Jacob. Uh, good to speak to you, lads. Um, I just, yeah, in regards to the Ben Hunt situation, you've already spoken about it. Um, if the Dragons really can't get to that, mark that his management and he he wants to get to that mark they reckon around the 900 mark that he wants close to a million um all reports have said how tight the dragons um salary cap is like we have we signed one player for next year you know like we haven't really gone to market at all because the salary cap is so tight we've had the most players in the 100 list um is it is it fair to say that there might be an option to look at look at life after ben hunt because we have, we have the absolute spine players like Jaden Sullivan, Amon, et cetera, that need more development. If the Dragons can't get to that mark that Ben Hunt wants, is it is it a bad thing to for him to move on? Mate, like I totally see where you're coming from. If they can't get to that mark, I, I agree with you. They need to go all in on Sullivan and Amon and put – and it's not just financially all in. They need to – put so many resources in and that so for example if I was the Dragons and obviously Smithy you know better about this let's say you can't get Benny Hunt the next best thing I would be doing is paying one of the best former sevens in the NRL to be a mentor and coach for both Amon and Sullivan and be building around them what do you, what do you reckon if they can't get Benny Hunt is that where would what direction would you go Smithy well you just got to back your young players then don't you mm. Um, and, you know, we spoke about uh, Amon and his position in, in the squad throughout this year. He was sort of in, he was out. Um, he's a great young talent. There's no doubt about that. So you just have to invest um, your money and your time, as you mentioned, um, Kempi, in, in trying to bring him up to speed. And and sometimes it's just, it's all about opportunity. Mm. Like, look at Ilias. Like, we just spoke about Lachlan Ilias this year and he's just a young man. Um, a lot of people were sort of had question marks over him and whether he was the right man to replace Adam Reynolds and, and look at the season he had. Mm. Fantastic. It took him a little bit of time to get going, but, um, you know, with, with as each week went by, he, he seemed to get better and better and more confident within himself. So sometimes it's just one of these guys, whether it be Amon or, or Sullivan, just getting an opportunity and having someone say, mate, 
our confidence is in in you. Like we're backing you to go out and play well and lead this team around. Yeah, and just just quickly as well, Jacob. You know, spe- that, you know, we were speaking positively about you know backing you know O'Sullivan and and Ammonian. Then you've got the negative stories of places like the Knights that allowed Pierce to go. And and things fall, yeah. fell apart, and and I'd, I'd I'd argue Ben Hunt was is in much better form than Piercy was, even though I think Piercy should have like they would have been much better with him staying. So you don't want to go down the Knights route where they're almost scrambling for halves now because they don't you know know who's going to be going forward for their in their six and seven. Mm. Yeah, well, and uh, another angle you can talk about really is um is Anthony Griffin the right coach to actually nurture and develop Sullivan and Emery? Because it seems like with the Tyrell Sloan situation, how, hand, how bad it's been handled with the Sloan situation, is he really the man that can do it if Ben Hunt was to leave? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, there's there's divided, I guess, opinion on that because, you know, we know Benny Hunt really likes to work under Hook and Hook's clearly got the best out of Benny Hunt. But, you know, then there's rumblings coming out that, you know, the, the playing group isn't all on board. So you're right, it's a, it's a really tough time for the Dragons. I do think Hook deserves... Another season, obviously this season, to um to prove himself, um, but it's a question that the Dragons I I think will probably have to ask mid year, which they probably will. Um, but thanks so much for the call, Jacob. Really appreciate it, mate. Yeah, no worries, boys. Thanks for the show. I've been listening all year, so can't wait for next season to for it to come back. Legend, mate. You, appreciate mate. it. Hopefully, it's bigger and better next season. Uh, now we're going to head to a break. After the break, we've got plenty to talk about. We've got your texts. We've got your calls, obviously. And then after that, we've got the big dance. We've got the great Cameron Smith. He's been in a 1,000 grand finals. We're going to pick his brain and give a deep dive into previewing the Panthers versus the Eels. Welcome back to the captain's run with the great Cameron Smith. We've got a text here, Smithy. This is a great one for you. Hey, legends, wanting to ask, how do you both compare Nathan Cleary to past greats such as Cooper Cronk? Joey, Thurston, et cetera. What do you think, Smitty? Oh, um, yeah, well, it's hard. Well, at this age, I guess. I'm going to be, yeah, well, well oh, okay, at, at, different, at, at the same age. Yeah, I think that's the best way because there's no way you okay. can compare him to those greats. Yet. Yeah, well, yeah, well, let's go off straight off the top. It's, it's, you can't compare Nathan Cleary to those guys because he just, he hasn't been in the game long enough. Mm. Um, and as much as he has achieved as a, as a young man now, as a 24-year-old, he's 24, isn't he? Yeah. 24, he's a premiership winner. He's been a part of a, an, an origin uh, winning series team. Um, he hasn't achieved what those guys have, you know, Joey and, and um, Cooper Cronk and, and Jonathan Thurston. Um, but but certainly at, at similar ages, you know, he's done, you know, quite similar things. Mm. You know, those guys um, were all playing representative football at relatively young ages. Um, I think uh, Jonathan Thurston, he won a premiership in 04 as a 21-year-old. Um, so, you know, so that was that was pretty early in his career with, mm. with the Bulldogs. Um, but but certainly he, he's on the path, isn't he, oh, yeah. to, to emulate what those three great halfbacks, you know, did in their career. And, um, you, know, you know, Thurston played a lot of seven, but he played six as well, which I think, you know, it's sort of – increases his standing in the game where he's able to, I know it's halves, but it was a bit of a different role that he played when he was wearing the sixth jersey. He wasn't particularly the guy that was steering the team around the park. He um, he just, you know, picked and chose his, his situations nicely. Um, but when the big play needed to happen, he just, he was the man that said, hey, give me the football. Mm. 
I'll, I'll create something here. But, you know, if he, if he goes on to win a, another premiership um, this year, you know, Nathan, he's certainly going to put himself, when he finishes his career, um, he'll cer- certainly put himself in the same conversation as those three names. I think, you know, and this is a lot of if, buts and maybes because you just don't know how someone's career is going to pan out. Um, I think let's just say Cleary wins this premiership. That's obviously back-to-back. That's two. I think the next few years, he's only a couple of obstacles to begin to be compared to some of the greats like Thurston, like Joey, is I think he needs to dominate an origin series, as in he needs to be the guy. You've got Joey 2005. You've got Freddie um, 2004. You've got yourself 2017 was one of your best ones and plenty more as well. Um, You've got Thurston, which was, you know, was it when he had his busted shoulder? I thought that was incredible. Just yep. these like folklore moments yes. um, in Origin, and that's that's really this is how good this kid is. Is that's all that you would ask for him after winning this back to back, and obviously a consistent rest of his career. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that, that's where I just think um, if he wins the grand final and then he goes on to really dominate international Origin footy, then I think you can start beginning to make those comparisons. But it's a long, long time, and anything can happen in a career. I, I will say, though, at 24 years old, he's right up there with some of the best we've ever seen. in my, in my well, Some of the best I've personally ever seen at 24 years old. Um, we're going to head to a break. After the break, we're going to get to your text. We're going to wrap up the first hour, a uh, second hour. Welcome back to the captain's run. The second hour is done and dusted. We've got a text here. G'day, fellas. Muzza here. I like Benny Hunt, but if he was in Dragons management, if I was in Dragons management, I would let him go. Hunt has knocked back two offers. It's time to move on. Hunt had a great year. I can't see Benny winning a comp. Um, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Big call, Mazza. Big call, Mazza, but uh, got to respect it. Got to respect it. We're going to head to a break. After the break, we're going to speak to a bloke that has been probably in some of the most grand finals we've ever seen. So we're going to get his deep dive preview of the massive grand final, the Battle of the West, the Penny Panthers versus the Para Eels. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with Cameron Smith. Remember, you can catch up on anything you miss from the show via our podcast, which you can download now on the SEN app. Or you go to Apple and Spotify, boom, hit follow. You're good to go. You can listen anytime, anywhere. Call the line, one 1170 or give us a text, 0457 736 736. Give us a follow on Instagram at SEN League. Smithy, bit of sad news. This is the last hour for the year for us, mate. Oh, no. Wow. Well. Mate, oh, I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss, miss you, all mate. of our listeners. Yep. Yeah, gonna miss, uh, gonna miss the crew, but let's get into it. Grand final, yes. much more go. exciting thing happening. Here we go. The Penny Panthers versus Para Eels, seven thirty this Sunday at a core stadium. Now, let's start with the Penny Panthers. Taylor May has failed to overcome a hamstring injury, so Charlie mm-hmm. Staines retains his spot in the wing. Thirteen of the seventeen players named took part in last year's grand final win over South. The new faces are Staines, Tungo, Kenny. And salmon. What do you think about the makeup of the Panthers squads? Well, they got a huge advantage, isn't it? You just mentioned that you know thirteen of the seventeen players named to play this year played in last year's decider, so they've got the experience. And I dare say a lot of those guys too would have played in the twenty twenty grand final also. So there's a, there's a huge chunk of players for Penrith playing in three consecutive grand finals, and and acro- across those previous two matches, they would have learned a lot about not just the game, Kempi, but the week 
and understanding, you know, the preparation and what goes on. There's a lot of extra, you know, commitments. Um, we've seen both teams at the Delhi M's last night. Um, you know, a lot more media attention on on both football sides. So, and and a few extracurricular things as well, like getting, you know, media things done and headshots and photos with opposition players and all this sort of stuff. So that's that's not new to them. That's not new to them. They mm. know they know exactly what grand final week is about. I feel as though that that could be a slight advantage, but at the same time, you know, it's it'll be a very exciting time for the Parramatta players as well who haven't experienced this. You know, they've watched on, you know, throughout their entire career, you know, other teams being involved in this in this week leading up to the grand final. But, you know, to have thirteen players out of the seventeen taking the field this weekend who you know were were part of the premiership last year, I think that gives them a, a slight head start. Mm. A slight head start when it comes to this game. And this game actually is brought to you by Suncorp Insurance. Uh, get award-winning car insurance with Suncorp. We've won uh, best insurance for the last seven years in a row. Uh, so that's Suncorp car insurance. Suncorp insurance, uh, car insurance. It's, uh, this is our obviously our match of the round. Now let's get into the Parry Eels. Actually, just quickly, you know, you missed, was it one grand final? Yes, it was 2008. And I guess, so that's early, you know, relatively early on in your career, you know, about, mm. about three or four years into your career. Yep. Do you think a guy like Taylor May, you know, be devastating that he's missing it? Is this, yeah. it's going to sound silly, but is this a good thing for his career in the sense of he's going to use this pain to, to push on? Or do you think it, I guess, rattles you a bit? What, what was it like for yourself? Yeah, well, for me, it was motivation, really. But I was lucky enough to to have played in a couple of grand finals previously to that to the previous to the two thousand eight decider. Mm. So I, I knew what grand finals were about. I knew what it was like to to win a grand final. Um, you know, for for Taylor May, I, I I'd like to think as a young man this this will really spur him on. Mm. Um, but you know, the, at the end of the day, it, it's down to him whether you know he he can sit there and. And feel you know a little bit sorry for himself, and 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 feel as though you know he's missed out on a great opportunity, which he has. But injuries, unfortunately, are a part of our game, mm. and there's been a lot of players, a lot of great players, um, a part of our um, our sport over its rich history over a hundred years. Some of the best players that our our sport has ever seen never never play in a grand final or never win a premiership, Kempi. Um, so as a young man, I think you know he just needs to look at it as you know, I'm part of a, a, a very good organisation, a team that's in um, great form that can and has the opportunity to continue to be the benchmark of the competition in years to come and just make the most of what he's a part of right now. Because mm. who knows? Like, you just you don't know what's going to happen in the future. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But at the moment, he's a part of something really special. Um, and I'm sure, you know, when when you look at that side, they look like they're a very close knit team. I'm sure he's been positive um, around the the group as much as he would be disappointed that he's not taking part in this match due to injury. Um, you know, he just needs to be um, when he's around the group, just be positive for the players um, playing this week, particularly you know Staines, who's coming in to to fill that void. Now onto the Para Eels. This is an absolutely huge call in my opinion. Nathan Brown has been recalled on the bench for his first game wow. since round 17. July. To top it all off, he's only had two games in reserve grade since. So this isn't a, you know, a 
a battle hardened, uh, you know, been playing match after match. Now, don't get me wrong, Nathan Brown, tough as they come. Mm. But yep. when it comes to match fitness, it's not like he's got that up his sleeve. Uh, he, he's going to replace Bryce Cartwright. Now, I've got my own thoughts on why I think that he did this, but Smithy, why do you think Brad Arthur made such a huge call on the last game of the season? Oh, I just think he he's picked um, Brown to come in just to fight fire with fire. Mm. I really do. He, he, we all know the style of footy that Nathan Brown plays. He's a he's a firebrand. He he's quite aggressive. Um, you know, he carries the ball strongly. There's no sort of there's a bit of no frills about the way he goes about his game. Um, if someone runs at him, he's going to try and hit him as hard as he can. Um, but he, he's taken that spot where. Um, the, the, the player sort of that, that fourth man on the bench for Parramatta Eels, Brad Arthur, it's sort of they only come on and play roughly 12 minutes each game. Mm. Um, uh, I think, you know, Bryce Cartwright, he, he got limited time last week. Um, and, and Bryce Cartwright took, took the position of, was it Makatoa, you know, from the previous week. And he was mm. sort of averaging around, you know, sort of 12 minutes a game as well. So I, I, I think what will happen is that, if Brad Arthur sees an opportunity for Nathan Brown to get on the field and just, I think the message to him will be, hey, mate, I need you to go on and go as hard as you can for 10 minutes. Just go absolutely crazy. Get as many touches of the football you can. Um, you know, make as many tackles as you can and try to inflict some some pain on the opposition. Mm. Cause a bit of havoc out there for us and get off. I think that's what his role will be. And I'll tell you, I, I think he'll be told to go out and ruffle some feathers of that, particular players from the Panthers. Mm, that's That was going to be my next question. <laughs> Do they, because it is such an obvious pick of aggression, of ruffling feathers, of getting amongst it, do they run the risk of having, no, not the same, but the Roosters-Rabbitohs game was a really good indication of we love aggression, but sometimes it can go too far and take away from your rugby league. Is there a, a small chance that Brown, you know, I guess, unfortunately goes too far and he costs them 10 minutes or whatever? Um, well, yeah, that's, there's always the potential to do that. Um, but I, I, think I think they'll be happy to put up with it. Okay. I really do. I, well. I, I think, I think they, they would be – because you think, you think back to over the last couple of years – who has who has made Penrith the most uncomfortable out of any team in the competition? Yes. Parramatta. Yeah, it's the Eels, and and they've done it this year. They they've won both games that they played against them so far. I know one of them was when they played against um, you know sort of twelve men for the most part of the the game when when Cleary was sent off at um, at Combank Stadium, but they went out to Penrith and beat them on their home ground. Which they up to that point, I think that Penrith had won something like twenty five consecutive matches. So mm. they do have the ability to upset Penrith's rhythm um, and their systems, and sort of just get under their skin a little bit. And so that's why I'm thinking, as soon as I seen the news that Nathan Brown was named, I'm thinking that that he's been given one job, and that's just to go and upset a few people, uh, you know, ruffle a few feathers of the opposition, particularly. I'm going to say particularly some of their key players in Nathan Cleary, <laughs> Isaiah Yo, um, you know these type of guys that 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 really play such a significant role. Jerome Luai as well, such a significant role in their attack. Mm. 
Now, I mean, I think maybe I'm getting a bit too deep into the uh, the conspiracy, <laughs> Smitty. Yeah. But do you think that if you're Ivan Cleary, you almost go, okay, Nathan Brown's on the bench. If Nathan Brown gets on around the time I would put Spencerino on, I put Spencerino on, you know, to fight fire with fire and go, all right, mate, yeah. you want to put on your dog? We'll put on our dog <laughs> and let's see who can, let's see who wins that battle. See who's got the bigger dog. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know what? I, I wouldn't be surprised, Kempi. Mm. I really wouldn't be surprised because they're both like they they play a similar style of football, don't they? Yeah. Um, and, and it just considering he he's had limited time on the field, he's played two games um, in that time between uh, round seventeen and now. It's it just for me, it just it it's it stands out to say we're going to send someone out there to really co- go after a couple of your players. Now, just a quick little uh, insight here from a producer. The last time Nathan Brown played a game, it was round 20 of the New South Wales Cup. It was against mm-hmm. the Panthers. Oh. And Brown was sin-binned after 46 minutes. There you go. There <laughs> you go. Can you bet on sin-bins? <laughs> oh, you can bet on anything. Oh, surely. Sport. What are the markets? Make sure we do it with top sport. Yeah, top sport. Reach out, uh, Tristo. What are the markets on Brown yeah. getting sin bin? I want to put the house on it um, that I don't have. Um, that well, yeah. I want to put one of Smithy's house on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there we go. There it is. <laughs> oh, I've only got the one. Come on, mate. Um, uh, in Queensland, a, um, a, it's a, it's um, it's so it's it's just it's a it's another one of these like storylines though, isn't it? Like for a grand final, just the surprise packet being picked up. Um, been thrown in there, and and maybe 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 it's just to try and get inside a few of the players' heads already mm. in the lead up to this game. So they're sitting there just going, Nathan Brown, he hasn't played first grade since July. Mm. What's he going to do? Yeah, like what is he going to do when he gets on the field? And, and now we, I get it, like I get it, like there, there, there's rules in our game, and and you know if, if if he crosses the line, there'll there'll be consequences, of course. Mm. But at what expense to Penrith? Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, I mean, only naturally Cleary is going to be, if Brown's on the field, Cleary's thinking about it, you know. Oh, he's human. He's a human being. As good a player as he is, he's human. He's going to be thinking about it, and rightly so, because, you know, Brown's going to be hunting him, putting kick pressure, all that stuff. Now, Opacek has failed to overcome his hamstring injury. Bailey Simonson retains his spot in the side. Interestingly, I thought Bailey Simonson had been in and out of the side all year, but I actually went back and looked over the season He's actually paid 19 games this season. On top of that, I actually got a bit of mail that he even requested to go back and play centre in New South Wales Cup. Wow. Um, Again, I'm not sure. That was just all reportedly. but So he's come back in at centre. Is it a concern that they've got a guy like, for example, Wonga Blake? I know they're on different sides, but Wonga Blake, you know, defensively can have some lapses and obviously in the air. And then you've got a new centre as well with Bailey Simonson. Do you think that's a concern for the Eels that you've got such inexperience in specific positions? Yeah, well, I, I don't think they'll go into a game with concerns, mm. but I, I, I think that'll be an area that Penrith look at closely mm. and, and they'll focus a lot of their attack around those players. Um, and no doubt, you know, you just mentioned Wunga Blake, no doubt he'll be getting a lot of um, high kicks come his way again from Nathan Cleary, given the result that, that Penrith got out of him um, the last time they played. Uh, but 
in saying that, I, I don't think I don't think you know his teammates helped him a whole heap in that game. They didn't mm. they didn't put a whole heap of kick pressure on Nathan Cleary. And if you look at um, you know last week, the Rabbitohs actually got out to him early in early in the match. Mm. They got out and, and got at him quite early, and they put him off a few times. And kicks didn't particularly go where he wanted them to go. And just you know, if if you need to look at some positive results from putting a little bit of effort in on last plays or when Cleary's going to kick the ball. Just have a look at the the origin. Yeah. Have a look at the State of Origin um, series this year, particularly Game 3 where Queensland just – they did a fantastic job on Cleary. And, you know, th- there's a little bit being spoken about about that blocking system that they have and people saying, well, you know, that's – that's uh, it's, it's illegal. You shouldn't be able to do it. You know, I don't know. I don't think – Particularly, it's 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 legal because you're not allowed to do that. When you think about uh, field goals, you know the, the the league come in and said, look, you can't have blockers um, standing next to the ruck when they, when they play the ball. You can't have people just positioned there and, and not moving. But if they do it and and they're allowed to get away with it, if if the referee allows them to do it, then that's out of your control. What you need to do though is just put a little bit of extra effort in mm. and get past those blockers. And, and you'll get an opportunity to go and get Nathan Cleary. Mm. It's just what it is. It's just a little bit of extra effort. And I'll, I'll, I'll guarantee you, Parramatta will get rewards at some stage if they do that. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, Smithy, because whether they do do it, it's illegal, it's not illegal, you can't change that. All you can change is, is what is in your control. I think another really you know thing that can add and give you space is winning the contact on the fifth play. Making sure that they're not hitting their front and, and finding it straight away. Making sure that you win that contact, you get them on their back so that you've got time to get to Cleary. Um, and so it, it's really interesting that, uh, look, I know Cooper Cronk was an incredible kicker of the ball for sure, mm. but mm. I feel like it's just become more and more evident that I would argue that Cleary's kicking game is, is truly their biggest weapon. Oh, it's huge. It's a huge weapon. And so not only does it continue to apply pressure to the opposition with where he um, places the ball on the last tackle and his ability to kick high and kick with depth and make, you know, whether it be wingers or, or fullbacks taking the ball, like they're catching the ball sort of a metre, a metre and a half from their own trial line and then being forced to bring the ball back. Mm. So he's, ex- he's extremely accurate with his kicking, but then he's got, he's also got a, a a huge variation of kicks that he can put in. He's got he's got a kick where he can kick back across his body when he's um, you know trying to find a forty twenty. Um, he can put up as we've seen throughout this final series. His go to kick has been that floater, floater slash spiral, whichever one he, he pulls off. Um, that's been his go to in this final series, and he's happy to do them from around halfway forty meters out. He's just happy to throw it up and say, "Do your best." Mm. Like because he knows he's got chases going down there, um, and but you can see with the way they they set up is that they're all on board with the kick. Very rarely do they have anyone sitting around him as as an option if someone comes out to get him mm. to run the football. Mm. If you look on the outside of Nathan Cleary, like a lot of his outside men, they're they're, they're in a straight line, and they time their run to perfection. So when the ball meets his foot. They're, they're directly in line with him going down to put pressure on whoever's standing underneath the ball. Mm. Um, so it's it's a huge part of Parramatta's defense this weekend is their last play defense. And they just, 
they they need to keep their their feet moving until one of their players has the ball in their hands. Like they they cannot give up on that last play and just think, well, I ran out to put pressure on Cleary. You know, the ball's now been kicked. It's gone over my head. I'll just I'll just hope for the best. Hope our our fullbacks and wingers get the job done. They need to get back there. They need to get on their bike and get back and help their players and and wait until one of their teammates has got the ball in their hands and they're on the ground about to play the ball. Then they can have a rest. Now, that was our game of the round. Thanks to Suncorp Car Insurance, winner of CanStar's Outstanding Claims Award seven years in a row. Now, after the break, we're going to get to more of your texts and calls and we're going to basically cap off our thoughts and predictions for the grand final. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with Cameron Smith. Uh, text here, Smithy. Boys, this grand final is a massive mismatch. It's a romantic notion to suggest Parra can win, but let's be honest, they're going to be demolished. That's from Matt. Oh. Holy, that's confident, Matt. Wow. What are you yeah. seeing that I'm not seeing, Matty? Yeah, is Matty uh, – he must be. Is he a Penrith fan? Don't know. Don't know. Um, no, I don't think it's that clear cut, really, is it? No. Like, I understand why people are thinking it'll be a, a lopsided uh, game this week, but I'll tell you what, Parramatta, if they get out there and play their best footy, they're, they're a chance. They are a chance. Like, Penrith, the one thing you know about Penrith is that they, they, they're not going to um, they're not going to give Parramatta too many chances, right? And what they'll do is they'll just apply pressure all game. They'll just wait for their opportunities. They're a very patient footy side. They'll just wait for their opportunities and if they're given their opportunities, they'll they'll take them, they'll make the most of them, they'll score points. But Parramatta have shown that they can they can go out there, and if they go out early, put some early scoreboard pressure on Penrith, they, it, they could walk away with the victory. They could. They just need to play their best footy for eighty minutes. That's all. Mm, I think that you know if I think we forget that you know you watch that second half with the Panthers. And you go, wow, these guys are unbeatable in regards to when they played Rabbitohs. But if you go yes. back and watch that first 20 to 30 minutes, when they're 12 oh. nil down, mm-hmm. I felt like they were. it's the second week they've started really, really slowly. Yep. And so I believe if the Eels completed 85% and have a, like a better first 20 minutes and they actually capitalize on their, you know, their, op- their opportunities, opportunities, I think they win. I just think their completion rate has to be over 85%, though. Yep. Um, anything less or anything less than 80 Panthers will just squeeze them out of the game. Um, Now, we're going to head to a break. After the break, we're going to discuss our Australian selections for the World Cup coming up. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with the great Cameron Smith. Now, Smithy, we've got the World Cup coming up. It's a hotly debated topic. What Mm. is your 17, or at least just your starting 13, for the World Cup for Australia? Okay. Um, I'll go starting 13 because it's really hard to put together a 17 at the moment because there's so many good players. So I'll start... Uh, at the back, Tedesco, he's the number one. I think Josh Adokar, and I, and I think it'll be split between Cobbo and Corey Oates. I reckon Corey Oates might, might have just done enough this year to get a call up for the mm. Kangaroos, Kempi. Okay. Not not too sure what you're thinking there, but, yep. I, but that'll be the wingers. I think in the centres, it'll be Latrell Mitchell, Val Holmes. Mm. In the halves, interesting one, this one. I think, well, Munster will be six. Can't wait to see who will take the number seven jersey, whether they stick with DCE at, at seven after you know his strong performance throughout the Origin Series this year. And and particularly the first, I, I thought probably three quarters of the season he was outstanding. But Cleary um, has been phenomenal for Penrith again. 
Um, either one of those two. I, I, I couldn't lock one away, Kempi. Mm. I, I don't know what will happen there. Um, my starting props is uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard with Tino, Fatsua Malawi. Uh, ben Hunt starting nine, like he did in Origin. Back rowers, Cam Murray and Angus Crichton. Mm. Number 13, Isaiah Yo. Mate, what, I'm, do you, what do you think of that footy side? Mate, I think that's a great footy side. The only changes, oh, well, not changes, you already alluded to it, but I'd be putting Corey Oates on the edge over Selwyn. Yep. Um, yep. Look, I'd bring Selwyn over in the squad, but I'd, it'd be purely for experience. I think that, you know, I think he's still really young, and I, I just, he, just for his longevity of his career, I'd be bringing him over there to get him around the excellence that is the Australian squad, but yep. I wouldn't be playing him in many games. I, I really think that he's he's a tired player uh, mentally and physically, even though he was quite mm-hmm. good against PNG. Yep. Um, on the other edge, I'd have uh, I would I put it this way: I would have had Suwali'i initially, but obviously yes. he's he's gone to Samoa, which is um, great for Samoa. I'd have Adokar on on the other edge at fullback. I'd have Tedesco in one centre. I'd have Holmes. The other centre, I've had Latrell. Yep. Then I would have Munster at six. And although I thought DCE, I think if you had have selected the team after Origin, I would have put DCE in the um, seven jersey. Yep. But after the season has gone done and dusted, I think they absolutely must pick Cleary at seven. I think it is the time to hand the reins over to him and make this Australian side his side. Yep. Um, you know, all due respect to DCE, I think he's 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 a stalwart of the game. He's, he's achieved some incredible things, but... I just think it's Cleary's time now. Now, look, if Cleary plays poorly or goes down injured, DCE is a perfect replacement for him. But I think it is time for Cleary to take this Australian side and make it his own. Mm-hmm. I'd have Benny Hunt at nine. Um, I know, you know, we said we wouldn't talk about a bench, but I'd probably put Harry Grant on the bench with him. Yep. And I'd bring Coruscant in the squad. At, up front, I would start uh, either Tino or Paddy Carrigan. Okay. Uh, that would be with RCG. Isaiah yes. Yo at 13, Crichton on the edge, Murray on the other edge. Um, and off the top of my head, apologies if I get it wrong, um, mm-hmm. I'd probably carry Whiten, Grant, um, maybe a, a, a Carrigan, and yes. a Hudson but, Young maybe on the bench. Um, yeah. Off the top of my head with the bench. The bench is something like, yeah. Yeah, well, that, well, that's the one you've probably got to spend a bit more time on, isn't yeah. it, the bench? Because, you know, to get the makeup of the 17, right, whether you carry – well, you're already taking a uh, utility. Mm. Well, you're starting with a utility in Ben Hunt at nine. Yes. Exactly what the Queensland team th- did this year, and you, and you throw Harry Grant on after, you know, 20, 25 minutes. He plays out the remainder of the match at nine. Um, whether you then take, uh, you know, like a Jack Whiten as an outside back replacement, and then who 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 goes over there as an extra prop and a back rower? So Lindsay Collins. Oh yes, he, he's a, he's a possibility as well. Yeah. And like this is this is the hardest thing, isn't it, to yeah. make up? You know the remaining spots on the bench. Um, you got Reuben Cotter oh, as well. Oh no, this is what I mean. Like you just throw up these names. Um, you know Jeremiah Nenai. Oh my god. Just you know, and well, I take it know. all back. I take it all back. <laughs> I'm changing me team. <laughs> and, and this is the thing. This is the thing with this Australian side as well. Like a lot of people are talking, and there's a bit of a, a buzz around, you know, the Tongan side and and the Samoan side in particular, and and you know, a lot of players taking the option to go and play for those Polynesian sides, which is great. It's going to be a fantastic World Cup. Um, but I think I think what's been forgotten is the quality of players still available for this Kangaroos footy side. Mm. Like when you mention those names, you, you start thinking, wow, like. Those names that you mentioned around filling those bench spots and could possibly miss out on the first seventeen that that play 
their first match in the World Cup. They could they could quite easily be thrown into the starting thirteen. Absolutely. Do you I mean, understand what I mean? Like yeah. so so, you know, the, the I guess the, the, the positive for the kangaroos is their depth. Mm. Mm. You know, when when you look at when you look at Tonga and, and Samoa in in particular, in particular, their their first thirteen uh, you know, they're, they're great footy sides. But when you go all the way down to player 24, it starts getting a little bit skinny. Whereas you look at Australia and it, it's a it's a, it's a a long tournament. Mm. These teams are going over to England for eight weeks. Wow. And you just don't know what's going to happen through that eight-week period, whether it be through form or, you know, injury or illness, maybe suspension throughout the, the tournament. What, the one thing that the Kangaroos do have going for them is the depth in their squad. It's such a good point to, to think that, a guy like Lindsay Collins, Paddy Carrigan, Tino, Cotter, one, one of them, literally one of them, <laughs> may not be in the the, the the seventeen. Yeah, that that's crazy. You're totally right. When you that, that, the one thing that I think that there is, you're right. There is a lot of hope, a hype around Tonga Samoa, and rightly so. Absolutely, mm. so excited. But I still don't think any team has anywhere close to the depth that Australia has. Um, when it comes to, you know, when you're looking at the 24-man squad, it's going to be really interesting to see whether that plays a, a factor in the World Cup because you're right, I, I think we've kind of gotten a bit used to one-off tests or, yeah, you know, that's right. this is a World Cup. You, you need your whole squad and people are going to get injured and, and all that kind yep. of stuff. Yep. And, and they're a long way uh, away from, a long time spent away from home as well. Mm. So that's a factor that people don't think about, you know, like and just, oh, well, you're over there playing footy, just go and play. But... You know, a lot of people, they, they like being in, the, in their own home. They spend a lot of time away from their families. Does that have an effect on them as well? So it's it's really about the team, you know, the nation, the squad that is able to handle all those different challenges of being away from home, playing in different conditions, um, you know, the challenges of, of, of playing, um, you know, that high-quality football week on week. That's the team that's going to win it. It's not mm. necessarily about who's got the you know the most exciting or a great looking side on paper. Who can get through that that long, um, long tournament in which it's played you know a, a physical, fast style of football because it's all the best players throughout the world playing against each other. Who can handle that the best? Now, what other, I guess, nations really excite you? For me personally, I think this is the best Kiwi side. Like, I think we've had as good Kiwi sides on paper due to their name and their achievements, but I don't think we've ever seen a Kiwi side have so many players playing almost career-best form. You've got your Dylan Brown, you've got your Hughes, your Tarpanier, your Fisher-Harris, your Leota, you've got Papali'i on one edge, you've got Manu. I honestly think that, yeah, I'd probably have Australia just favourites, but I think the Kiwis are right there. What are are your thoughts, man? Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I think, well, the Kangaroos are what dollar fifty favourites or something, dollar forty five favourites. I think that's probably a little bit, little yeah, bit short. That's too short. That's way too <laughs> short, in my opinion. That's a little bit short, given, given the quality of of the other teams. Um, but the, yeah, this New Zealand side, it's as good as it's been for a long time. Mm. Put it that way. Yeah. With the you know, particularly when you're looking at the extended squad that they've they've named. Um, you know, just quickly going through it, like Asofa Solomona, the two Bromwiches, Dylan oh. Brown, Fisher Harris, Foran, Hamlin Ueli, Hadawira uh, Naira, Hiku, Hughes, Johnson. Um, oh, there's just so many great players. You know, Joey Manu, you mentioned, um, Tomato Martin, Mulatalo, Griffin Neem. Um, wow. It's just, you know, Brandon Smith. 
Oh, it's just they're full of great players. They're full of great players. And if they can stay healthy and, and handle, like I was talking about, if they can handle that, that, um, you know, that period away from home and you know, that, that extension onto what's already been a, quite a grueling season, they'll, they'll be there right at the end. The interesting thing, though, with the setup of this World Cup, um, Kempi, is let's say the Kangaroos and the Kiwis, they both go through their pool matches undefeated and then they play their uh, quarterfinals, they win that. They actually meet each other in the semifinal. Oh, wow. So if they go undefeated all the way to the semifinal, they will meet in the semifinal. And so only either <laughs> either oh. the Kangaroos or the Kiwis will go through to meet someone else on the other side of the pool in the World Cup final. Oh, that's uh, it's interesting. Like it sounds maybe a little bit crazy, but are you almost considering dropping a game to, to miss <laughs> them, to meet them in the grand final? Drop a match, throw a match. Throw a match. Look, crazy things have happened, Smithy. I just got watching a documentary about corrupt bloody NBA refs. So maybe I've still got my tinfoil hat on. Yeah. Um, but just quickly, no. mate, um, obviously no one would ever drop a game in their, their, their nation's colours. Uh, absolutely not. Um, but here's the the, the, uh, the odds, mate. Australia, $1.45. New Zealand, $4.50. England, $11. I, if I'm being honest, I would have Samoa and Tonga before England. Um you know, maybe that's a bit of, I guess, bias because I see the Samoan and Tongan players play more regularly than a lot of the English players. Yep. Uh, Samoa is on $11. But really interestingly, Tonga is $17. So it's, it's what, $6 more than wow. Samoa. Wow. Incredible. Another crazy stat. Out of the grand final, Samoa have uh, essentially seven players named in the grand final Two squads, which is wow. Is that I, the most? I think it is. Now, I think maybe the Kiwis have equal or close to, but to mm-hmm. think Samoa may have the most players playing in the grand final. That's that's great for the health of yep. uh, Pacific Island rugby. Yep, international football. Yeah, that's great. And I can't wait for this World Cup. We've got to get through the grand final first, which is you know the huge one this weekend, and then we then we get into the the big tournament at the end. Now, we're going to head to a break. After the break, we're going to get to your text. We're also going to get to our holy schnitz moment of the week. Welcome back to the Captain's Run. It's time now for everyone's favourite moment of the show, holy schnitz moment. And let's get straight to it. My favourite moment of the weekend was Brian To'o try on the stroke of halftime against the Rabbitohs. He bumped the great Cody Walker off and they skittled and scattled like 10-pin bowling pins. Um, <laughs> 10 pin bowling pins. Uh, and when that happened, I went, holy schnitz, because it triggered many a time when I got bumped off at training. And it mm-hmm. reminded me of all the times the big fellas threw me around like I was nothing. Uh, so that is my holy schnitz moment. Brian, Toto, and I, to be honest, I think that was a game changing play. If they go in 12 6, I, I really felt it deflated the Rabbitohs. But uh, that's when I yelled, holy schnitz at my TV, Smithy. When did you yell it at yours, well mate? Well, mine was last weekend, actually. Uh, turned on the AFL Grand Final. Um, and, I, and I watched sort of bits and pieces of it. I, I, I didn't watch it closely, not as close as I used to when I was living in Melbourne. But uh, at full time, when the full time siren went, I said, holy schnitz. Mm. Geelong's victory, 81 points. Yuck. 81 points over the Swannies. In a GF. What's doing? What is doing? Real opportunity for NRL this week to, uh, you know. Hit back with a big grand final that's close, tightly close contested game. affair. Yeah, um, let's hope. Let's hope we don't have a result like that. You know, what? I don't I, think we will. We're not going to. 
81. Hopefully they don't score 100 points. Well, not 81 points. I think <laughs> in the in the transition, a translation into rugby league, that would be like a I don't know a 40, 50 point victory. I guess. Yes, I think so. I think so. Uh, I will say I also yelled holy schnitz. I put over the AFL. I was bored, and I was like, oh, I might try and watch the AFL. And I was like, holy schnitz. What's the point of this? The game is over. <laughs> is that why you watched it? Because you were bored? Yeah, literally. <laughs> That's no disrespect. I just, I don't know about the game. I don't know anything about it. And I turned it over and I was like, the game's over. It'd been about five yeah. minutes in. No. Um, no, it was a great victory. Great victory um, for, for the Cats. And uh, Jolly Selwood, skip over the Cats. He, good way to go out too. Retired. He's a champion, champion, champion AFL player, but he's a, he's a really decent bloke too. Four premierships as well, didn't he? Yeah, he got a few. Got a few. Or premiership. Um, all right. They were our holy schnitz moment. Thanks to uh, schnitz. Got that winning taste right now. Schnitz. Handcrafted schnitz. All made fresh and made just for you. After the break, we're going to wrap the show up and share our final tips for the week of the grand final, but also our final tips of the year. Welcome back to the captain's run with Cameron Smith. The last couple of minutes of the whole year. Now, Smithy, let's get your margin. And also, who you think's going to win? Then let's get your first try scorer, and let's get your Clive Churchill. All right, I'm going to go Penrith. They're going to win it. They're going to win it by ten points. I think the first try scorer will be Will Panasini, mm. and my Clive Churchill medalist is Isaiah Yo. Wow. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. All right. Penrith to win by twelve. Yes. First try scorer. Papali'i. Oh. And Clive Churchill, Dylan Edwards. Bomb. Dill. Yep. Dill. Dill Edwards from fullback. I'll tell you what, you can guarantee he will have a monster game. Oh, that, that's why I'm going the safe bet. Because he's yeah. not going to play poorly, you no. know, and he's going to get through yeah. a mountain of work. So the, his increased likelihood of impacting the game is, you know, extraordinary. There you go. <clears throat> but um, so, so we've both got Penny winning. Yeah. Yep, sorry, Para fans. Look, if I'm being totally mm. honest, I, I probably want Para to win because I like the story. I like yeah. the narrative. Uh, I also think that it creates, it builds a rivalry too between the West sides. You know, let's yes. say Penrith are going to be there or thereabouts next year as well. Um, anything else? Any last final words, Smithy, before the grand final? Oh, no, just good luck to both footy sides. I think this is going to be a great game. It's nice that we've got, um, you know, sort of a rivalry heading into this one. It's it's the it's the battle of the West, the Golden West. It's sold out already. I think it's been a while since we've had a sold out grand final. Um, I, I can't wait. I can't wait for this one. Smithy, thank you so much for the year, mate. Thank, thank you, you, mate. To all the listeners, it's been incredible, and uh, we'll we'll see you next season. We'll see you next, next season. season. Thank you so much to everyone. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Mark and Kempy. Legend, mate. Thanks for this year. Thank you. See you all later. Enjoy the grand final.